Hello, and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 325. I'm your host, Mr. Zero, and with me as always... Uh, Star Seeker, David McGroney, Family Master. Cool. Uh, there's a new <laughs> Falcom game out this week. That's always exciting. Yeah, we might actually be marketing it more than they did. <laughs> yeah, I, I pre-ordered it a while ago. Was not sure when exactly it was coming out at any given point. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I looked last week and saw, oh, it's shipped now. Well, okay then. <laughs> uh, did you did you give your actual name at any point there, Will? Oh, it's Mike F. Wheel. Sorry, I've been what. Uh, I'm in deep into the Baroque Works arc of yeah, I figured of One Piece, so there's lots of Mister Numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those unaware, uh, and it's sadly pretty easy to be unaware because there hasn't been a lot of noise made about it. Uh, the Legend of Nayuta Boundless Trails, aka Nayuta no Kisaki, has just finally had an official English release for your PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC. If you had the Japanese PC version, it was added as a. Uh, as just a free patch. Oh, nice. <laughs> Unfortunately, that means that it did not reappear on Steam's like new releases section so people had even less reason to notice that it had come out in the snow fire miner asks thoughts about translating kuro no kaseki to trails through daybreak trails fans are arguing about whether it should be through or two uh my answer is that it does not super matter to me whether it's through or two in this context my professional opinion on this matter is I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm sure that there are reasonable arguments to be made for both. I think that as far as what the game what the name needs to do, which is to, you know, vaguely uh, make the game easy enough to remember and market, it's they're equivalent titles. <laughs> hey Joe. Oh, Joe's coming. Awesome. Uh, yeah. For for now, my answer is just I'm just glad that we're getting it, <laughs> and that it's coming next summer, which means not super far away. Uh, I want to see Calvard. Yes, and... that's the start of a new new series, right? Yeah. Kuronoki yeah. uh, Seki seems to be Legend of Heroes Nine. If we're going through this that okay. way. It's hard for me to keep track of them. It's yeah, like, I thought I thought Reverie was like the end of all that. Is this the beginning, or is this this was yeah. this the one that was? Uh, I guess, Reverie is the end. epilogue to the Crossbell games and to the Cold Steel games, hmm. and then uh, Daybreak is the start of another arc, and it's the furthest ahead uh, like it's the furthest jump between games in terms of amount of time that's happened i think so yeah we, we start out a little later uh the protagonist of this game's a little older than the previous ones at like 24 or 25 
they they do some they're they're doing some slightly experimental things with this first one. Seems like they kind of rushed out a second one. Yeah, my my bets when Nisa just sort of dumped out, "Hey, we're doing a we're doing a stream about." Uh, a, a stream showcasing uh, Legend of Nayuta and uh, Trails into Reverie, but there will also be a special announcement. Like it was like fifty-fifty of whether it would be what we now know as Trails Through Daybreak or East Ten Nordics. Mm. Uh, I'm confident no, we'll be getting. Yeah, I'm surprised there's no announcement for that yet, but. East nine took a while too. So, yeah, I, it would also seem feel to me like, uh, you know, if for example, and this wouldn't surprise me, if we're not going to see East ten until next fall, there's no reason to announce it now, right. especially when we'll be seeing Daybreak next summer. Yeah. But hey, and that's got a switch port now. That's uh. That didn't exist before. That's a new thing. Mm. <laughs> but it was ported by Falcom themselves, so Well that's good. That'll be interesting. Cause I know I know Nissa was doing at least assisting in some way with the switch ports before, but if they're doing them themselves, that's probably gonna turn out better. The the Nisa ports are of varying degrees of, of quality. I do think that uh, the Trails ports uh, are actually really, really good. Uh, especially the Crossbell Trails ports are honestly a little better than... Uh, like, this was, a, this was a source of controversy when... Uh, Trails from Zero uh, dropped on PS4 because that was a Falcom port, and he was a little closer to the original versions and doesn't have the quality of life updates that were made to the Switch and PC versions because those mm. were new ports that uh, Nisa had contracted a developer for, and they added some really nice features that uh, you end up missing when they're not there. Uh, most notably... Uh, the ability to pull up a log of prior dialogue. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's, it's super useful for when, like, you know, conversations in those games go on a long time, you can sort of lose the thread after a while. So it's super useful to be able to just pull up, like, the last, you know, couple hundred dialogue boxes and see what was actually being said. But, yeah. Uh, in general, because this port would have been much more of a technical challenge... Uh, it's probably for the best that Falcom did it in-house. But, uh... Yeah, that's sort of where we're at now. Uh... Maybe I'll look at it at some point. I haven't looked at it yet. I don't need to look at anything at this point. Yeah, like, I've heard people reporting on what's in it. I've seen small clips of it. I don't really need to know... Uh, anything else about the game because everything I've heard gives me just such unvarnished and unbridled confidence. I saw some really good like uh, interviews with uh, the game's co-director Hamaguchi 
uh, where he was sort of talking about like uh, like people asked about like the gold saucer date and he was like I can't say who you can date uh, because that would be a spoiler but you can but I can confirm that it is not only opposite sex people you can date which is them soft confirming the return of the date you could get with Barrett in the gold saucer <laughs> Uh, I would imagine that'll be rewritten at least a little bit, because in the original, it's basically a punishment for being too mean to all the girls. And Barrett basically just tells you you're a dick the entire time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things uh, people have uh, brought up that the dolphin is in there, like, anything that seemed too stupid to come back is basically just getting confirmed. No, we're, we're bringing that back. <laughs> uh... There's some other fun stuff that's come out. They talked about uh, the scene in the trailer where they showed Red 13 riding a chocobo and that looking ridiculous. <laughs> and they were basically, and the Hamaguchi was basically like, yeah, that was Nomura's suggestion. <laughs> like that Red 13 should ride the chocobo and he should look, he should look that silly doing it. It's very good. But. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like I'm not avoiding spoilers per se, but it's at this point where it's like there's like I already know I want it. There is nothing. <coughs> they're not going to say anything that's like oh I need to buy this sooner. It's like I if I could buy it sooner I'd have already have done it. Uh, it's uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to me. Uh, let's see. Remembering all the crypto homophobia. Friends, were people really scared of gay back then? I think it was, uh, like, this is not really my uh, space, but just to fire off, uh, shoot from the hip, I would say that it was a combination of some degree of fear, but also a lot of not viewing them as real people that existed. Like, it was, like, making a joke about, like, wouldn't it be funny if someone actually was like this? And it's, yeah, it's pretty gross for all of those, for all those reasons. But it was, like, treated as, like, oh, people aren't, like, th those aren't real people. And yeah, it's gross. But that's a little far afield from what we are equipped to talk too much about here, so we'll probably... Uh, that's probably where we'll have to set that aside for now. But yeah, uh, the the stuff out of TGS has been nice to see. Uh, we got a bunch of we had a like a dragon direct uh, that confirmed that's coming out. Like a dragon eight is coming out way sooner than I was expecting. Because I was expecting that to be like an April or May game that comes out in January. Oh God! I was gonna say, please don't say February. <laughs> Nope, you won't have time to finish it before, though. <laughs> but yeah, that's a January 25th game. Uh, worldwide. And that's another one where I'd like, I haven't really watched all the info that we got, because it's like, well, I'm not gonna... It's not like I can buy it harder. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, what I heard sounded really cool. Uh, they introduced some good, like, 
common sense improvements to the combat system. Uh, I never had a major issue with this, but something that could limit the strategies you could undertake in uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon was that you could not... Uh, you couldn't actually position yourself before doing an attack. So if an attack was based around area of effect, you couldn't do anything to increase, to really set up to take best advantage of its area of effect. You just sort of had to decide on where you, like you just sort of had to decide based on where the game had planted you. Uh, but now you'll be able to, you can position yourself before you attack. Hmm. Which uh, opens some things up. Uh, they showed a bunch of really goofy looking shit uh, because it's like a dragon. Uh, we've got parallel plots of Ichiban in like Hawaii and uh, Kiryu, aka Joryu, uh, in seemingly back in Yokohama. It looks it looks like a lot of fun. Um, I I can't. Okay. Uh, Fireminer asks. We've talked about Ryugakotoku Studio making Yakuza-style games set in other countries, and now they we have infinite wealth. Which other city or country with a big Japanese diaspora that Yakuza games could take place in? Peru, Brazil, Philippines, Guam, San Francisco, Hong Kong, Macau. If you were to ask me to just make a bet, I honestly feel like Brazil would be my bet. That would be neat. Uh, it's a it's an exotic ish like exotic from the base setting uh, choice, but it has a huge Japanese population, and I mean there's there's just a temptation of like the strong uh, like. There, there's the strong temptation that just comes with there's a bunch of people uh, there's there's these there's the association of Brazil with tough fighters because of Brazilian jiu-jitsu so you get like intimidating uh, sort of rival uh, rivals to our tough protagonists I feel like Brazil would be a good choice but that's just me um but yeah, it's it's really neat to see them do that. Uh, they announced some more stuff that's going to be in the arcades. Uh, like a Dragon has quickly become a series of RPGs that are also kind of just collections of Sega games that for whatever reason they don't think they can sell by themselves. Uh, in this case... Uh, we know that they're also bringing in uh, Virtua Fighter 3 Team Battle, Sega Bass Fishing, and Spike Out, which are r really neat to see get ported again. Uh, Spike Out's only home port was a Xbox port that I think is based more on its sequel called Spike Out Battle Street. You've never met anyone who's played that except me. Um, but yeah, so Spike Out uh, being included is really nice because it was one of Toshihiro Nagoshi's last major uh, games before uh, the first Like a Dragon. Uh, also, welcome. 
Hello. Joey, Joey, sorry. I said I was coming. And I yeah, yeah. I, I was just saying, uh, sorry, I'll finish this tirade and then we'll let you talk about what you've been playing. Uh, oh, excellent. But yeah, there's a, but they're, they're adding in Sega Bass Fishing, Virtual Fighter 3 Team Battle, and Spike Out, in addition to, I believe, uh, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth is supposed to also have the games that are in Like a Dragon Gaiden. So that would mean that it also has the. Uh, de-licensed Daytona 2, aka Sega Racing Classic 2, and Fighting Vipers 2. So it's a it's a strong collection of model of Sega Model 3 games, hmm. which many of which have never been meaningfully ported because uh, the Model 3 was a dead a kind of a dead end piece of hardware. Um, very powerful. Uh, probably more computationally powerful than the Dreamcast, if I were to hazard a guess. But, uh, you know, based on a chip, uh, based on a few generations removed from a chip that they had purchased from Lockheed Martin, uh, that was originally designed to do like complex flight simulators circa 1991. Uh, it's a really weird chip and nothing else functions like it and porting things from model one, two, three to home consoles was always a huge pain in the ass. So, uh, a lot of them Mega never worked. Fighters Megamix owns. I love that game. But yeah, we're getting Fighting Vipers 2, which has never got, which it got a home port on Dreamcast. It's cut down because they had to port from the model three to the Naomi hardware. Uh, we're getting uh, Sega Racing Classic 2, which is basically Daytona 2. Daytona, Daytona 2 never got a home. Daytona! Daytona, Daytona 2's uh, theme music is also incredible. Uh, it has tracks like Battle on the Edge and my personal favorite, Slingshot, which is mostly oh, sounds like a guy talking about how he's going to fuck a car. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this. Like it's literally feel the heartbeat in my of my machine through this tight seat. I feel every motion through my machine. The race starts when two of us become one. So, like you know, yeah, it's it's a car fucker song. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> Daytona Two was also. I was thinking of Ricky what Bobby. You Sorry, mm -hmm. you said slingshot, and I just thought shake and bake. Yeah, <laughs> but Daytona Two. I want to also bring up had a dip switch in it to switch. Uh, the The only thing it controlled was who sang the songs, because there was a di one of the dip, dip switch settings would have the Daytona one singer sing it, and the other would have a different guy who was a native English speaker sing it. I generally prefer the Daytona one singer version, but it's nice that it had a dip switch that just that was all it controlled. Feel the heartbeat of my machine through this tight sea. I feel every motion of my machine. But yeah, I'm hopeful that all the music will make it into Sega Racing Classic 2 because it's fantastic. But it's a great racing game that has never had a home port at any point. Um, then, yeah, so that Fighting Vipers 2... Uh, 
Sega, Sega Bass Fishing, a very strange uh, but well-liked arcade bass fishing game. You could get that on the Dreamcast. They had like a really weird uh, motion fishing controller for it that I mostly remember for uh, a like crazy dude managing to beat Soul Calibur using only the swinging motion of the fo motion controller. Um, then... Uh, uh, I keep forgetting what the last two... Oh yeah, Spike Out. Spike Out, like I said. Uh, a 3D beat-em-up from like 2000 uh, that spawned a couple of sequels and was kind of the one of the last major things that Toshihiro Nagoshi did before the first Like a Dragon and had never been meaningfully ported uh, outside of Spike Out Battle Street, an extremely rare, extremely late original Xbox game. And uh, last but not least, uh... oh, Virtual Fighter Three Team Battle, which is kind of the forgotten middle child of Virtual Fighter, but is a neat little game. It's the only one with a dodge button in addition to the series' regular punch, kick, and guard buttons. It's a weird little game, hmm. uh, but yeah, it's it's nice to see that get ported again. Uh, it was ported to Dreamcast on uh, when that launched, and it is a port so rushed that, as I recall, it didn't even have a versus mode in Japan. Uh, they just made it Jeez. so that the the only way to challenge your opponent was to just plug in another controller and do the arcade thing of pressing the start button as though you would just put in a quarter. Extremely strange. Uh, Sega didn't even port that themselves. It was weird. They contracted a weird. Virtua Fighter port out to Genki. I don't know what happened. Uh, this does lead me to think that if we get... Like, when Like a Dragon 9 inevitably ends up happening, what games do they port for that? And uh, my wish list in this case would be uh, Slash Out and Virtua Cop 3. Those are my demands. Oh, there was a Virtual Cop 3. Yep, it was on Xbox hardware, and they teased porting it to the Xbox, but ultimately canned the idea because it would have required a special light gun that uh, would have been expensive to produce. Uh, because wow. Virtual Cop 3 does not use a CRT in its arcade cabinet configuration. It uses mm. an LCD with weird infrared sensors all around it. Uh, people have gotten it to work on the Xbox if you uh, homebrew it and if you have installed additional RAM because the Chihiro arcade board that it runs on is just an Xbox with more RAM. But yeah, uh, Virtual Cop 3 looks really cool. Never played it. Don't know if it's good, but I feel like it, it would be a neat thing to see. Bad could uh, it really be, though? I, you know... I don't know. The first two were awesome. Yeah, like I said, it looks really cool. I just can't say because I've never played it. I've never run into right. it. Right. <laughs> but um, I have confidence that Yeah. It, it had some it had some other interesting weird gimmicks. It had like a foot pedal that activated bullet time and when you activated that it, like one of your options was if you're getting shot you could shoot the bullet out of the air. Wow. So, it was, it's pretty neat. Uh or at least it looked pretty neat. So, yeah, I would really like to see... Like, I feel like that is the best chance we'd ever get of any sort of home port of Virtua Cop 3, so... That would be nice. 
That would be that would be my wish list is that and slash out, which is a, a medieval themed uh, spinoff of Spike Out that never saw any sort of home port and is almost entirely forgotten. So uh, those are those are my demands, Sega. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like a Dragon Infinite Wealth looks great outside of also being a collection of very good, rarely or never ported Sega arcade games. <laughs> Uh, let's see... My money. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. Uh, let's oh, did you see. watch the newest uh, Futurama real quick? I have not yet, although I know what it is. Yeah, there's um, three lengthy cutaways where they all become different types of toys. Yeah, like the joke is that like it's technically it's an anthology episode... Except it wasn't, like, the joke is that it's not them trying to do an anthology episode, it's that toy advertisements keep interrupting the actual episode that yeah. you should be watching. Oh, that but the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just like, I wish those were real toys. Shut up and take my money. It wouldn't surprise me if we see, like, at least, like, the fucking windows show up. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh... See, will we ever see Outrun 2 Coast to Coast and a bunch of Triforce Chihiro Naomi games in Yakuza? We're not going to see Outrun 2 only for the same reason that, like, in order to, or at least if we see Outrun 2, it's going to be after they've done some cosmetic work to it. Because the reason that Outrun 2 isn't just available right now is because it has a licensed car. It's like a Ferrari, whatever the fuck. Uh,. It's like it's a nice car. I just I I'm not a car guy, so I don't know what car it is. But uh, because of that, they can't just re-release Outrun Two unless they cosmetically alter the car. Uh, I, I wish they would because Outrun Coast to, Outrun 2006 Coast to Coast is fucking incredible. Like a wonderful racing game that should be available on everything. Uh, as for like. Triforce games. I think the issue you'd run into with those is I don't think there's a lot of them that don't have some sort of extenuating licensing going on. Uh, for Chihiro games, I could see maybe some of those uh, finding their way out. Uh, like I said, I'd, I'd like to see Virtua Cop 3. That's a Chihiro game. Let's see. Yeah, so like looking at uh, Triforce games. You've got like F Zero AX and uh, Gekito Pro Yaku and Mario Kart Arcade GP. Like you run into a, like the most you could get out of that are like the Virtua Striker games. I don't think have a license on them. And uh, but the Key of Avalon has like weird arcade, uh, weird online components. Like there's just not a lot of not a lot of options for Triforce. And I'm not sure... Oh, that was the other thing that I would like uh, to see. Uh, my my third demandment game for uh, what I would want to see on in Like a Dragon 9. Uh, Planet Harriers. Hmm. Planet Harriers was an early aughts sequel slash reimagining of Space Harrier that was made for the Sega Hikaru board, which was a slightly upgraded Naomi that had 
capabilities designed to uh, make it better at particle effects and a form of shading that no one has that has not been on anyone's lips for years called fong shading uh, it's basically just designed to make things uh, shinier as I recall <laughs> but uh, yeah the planet Harrier to my knowledge has never been uh, ported to anything uh, very few things have ever, ever, ever uh, used the Sega Hikaru board. I would love to see Planet Harriers. And hey, uh, it was directed by Toshihiro Nagoshi, so they have that reason to go after it as well. So I'd like to see Planet Harriers. That'd be neat. Um, uh, everyone want to forget the terrible set? Yes, yes, I would like to forget one. Wheels, Joe, have you ever have you ever played the PS2 game that just labels itself Sega Classics Collection? Mm -mm. It's one of the most heinous bait and switches I've ever seen because it is a collection. It's a collection of old Sega games, but they are the the shitty low budget 3D remakes that uh, the D3 contracted out. For games like uh, Outrun, Virtua Racing, Golden Axe, uh, Alien Storm. Uh, is it Alien Storm that I'm thinking of? Was that Alien Swarm? Fuck. Uh, which one was the Sega one and which one's the weird old Amiga game? Uh, Alien Storm. Okay, I was right. Um, but they, they did a bunch of... Uh, shitty, low-budget 3D remakes. Uh, the Golden Axe one is particularly shameful. That game looks and plays like trash. <laughs> um, but uh, And they just sold that to people. Uh, and they just called it Sega Classics Collection. They, couldn't, uh, they, they give you no indication from that title that, oh, these are just absolute garbage 3D remakes. It's dreadful. It's an awful thing to do to people. Oh, Alien Syndrome, that's what it was. Alien Storm is slightly different. Uh, but yeah. Just absolutely fucking dire. Di a collection of dire, dire video games. Um, okay. Sorry, I just I just needed to rant about that. No, I was going to say, I just looked up... Um, the F-Zero-AX was a Triforce game. Yeah. Developed like by Sega's Amusement Vision Department. Okay. Yeah, it was it was made in concert with F Zero GX. Uh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, the the reason that that can be in Yakuza is pretty obvious. It's an F Zero license yeah. title. <laughs> but, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I never got to play that one though, because then you you mentioned there was a Mario Kart arcade game. I never saw that one either. There were two of those. They were made by Namco. There's Pac Man in them. I've played them before. <laughs> wow. They're pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty solid. You can actually find uh, if if you go to like a well-run, uh, like like one of the larger American arcades that's still in operation, you'll still occasionally see uh, Mario Kart Arcade GP2 floating around. They've, I've definitely seen it. I've seen them at the yeah. two Dave and Buster's nearby. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you can go and yeah. you can go and try that. But yeah, F Zero AX was always a rarer cab, which is a shame. Um, yeah, because definitely... there was an arcade at the local mall, and they, um, I never saw it there. They had, um, I played House of the Dead quite a bit at the local arcade, but that was... <laughs> yeah. I want to say that, 
uh, F0AX, I did get to play it once. It was at like a, an arcade in Oregon that was kind of a weird little place that had a lot of like weird boutique machines that I think that they picked up uh, when another arcade was trying to get rid of them. Okay. Uh, which meant that they had a lot of really interesting machines, but they were decent at taking care of them, so it didn't feel like you were just getting weird remaindered old machines. Uh, but yeah, they had uh, F-Zero AX for a period, and it was actually... It was it was fun to play that once. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, that's a really neat game, and it'd be nice for that to come back. Uh the last thing I can say about Like a Dragon is that there is a contingent rumor now floating around that with the Switch 2 or whatever it ends up being called, Sega is intending to reverse course on not selling Like a Dragon games on Nintendo platforms that they have maintained over the past decade since Yakuza 1 and 2 HD uh, came out to zero sales on the Wii U. Uh, and that they allegedly may have a collection uh, of an unclear number of titles uh, in being prepared for the Switch 2 as a launch title, which, if they try to sell me, like, Yakuza Zero, Zero and Kiwami, or if they really want to be nice, Zero, Kiwami, and Kiwami 2, and just put that on Switch 2, yes, I will buy it again. Yes, I am that stupid. <laughs> But yeah, I'll buy them. Give me much more likely to yeah. play them on Switch mm -hmm. or Switch Two, as the case may be. But yeah. but yeah, like I mean, I will 100%. I'd, I'd love that form factor. Please, please, and thank you. Um, oh, who is but, this character? Yeah. They must be important since they're on pictured prominently on the box. <laughs> hey, it's Lyra. It's your childhood friend. But, um, yeah, so it, TGS has been good for uh, people with my tastes. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Joe, what's been playing? Golf game. Is games. there a new everybody's golf? That would make sense. Oh, you demand. Did... <laughs> well, cause I'm, I, I'm just saying that because a long time ago, they it was right after e3 they did tgs and all of a sudden it was like oh yeah we're doing another everybody's golf game and it was a whole japanese trailer and everything and i was like but why wasn't that at e3 i would have been excited by that and i bought it day one and, and i love that series but anyways. yeah i don't think i don't think we've heard anything about a ps5 everybody's golf yet oh man and, and they could little, do it for vr weird. too because the, the previous one was a, ended up going to vr it's like well gee you got vr too now Yep. Huh. God, when was I know that Clap Hands? Uh, they did an Apple Arcade golf game. It was not yeah, a Hot Shots or Everybody's Golf, but it was the same company, and then you had to use touch controls and all that. Yeah, they actually also just did a Switch golf game. Yes. Called Easy Come Easy Golf, which is a very yeah. good dumb name. I wanted. I, I've been meaning to buy that. Or isn't that just a port of the? Mobile no, mobile? I don't think no. it is. It's because okay. Clapham's uh, the 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 Apple Arcade uh, one is called Clapham's Golf. Okay. But, yeah, there's there's not a lot of information that I'm surfacing on them, so they might be very similar. But 
Yeah. Okay. Well, because every year at TGS, I always look for a trailer. You're, you're looking out for because of that one time that there was that awesome TGS trailer for the PS4 one. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, um, what have I been playing? Well, golf. well, let me start with uh, since this is an RPG focused podcast. Let me start with the RPGs I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have been trying very hard to get into Starfield, and let me tell you, I I just can't do it. It is a boring, boring game. I wouldn't try to force yourself about it. There's, I have to, I have it's to like, ask, have you been trying to explore? A little bit, yeah. Because I've heard that is something you should not do. Right. When, when I just focus on the main quest line and they tell me exactly where to go and I just go there and do the thing, then it's like, okay, this is fine. But Just never let yourself go to a randomly generated place. Yeah, no, that's, and that's, that's just what it. I've heard. So compared to other open world games, you've got this massive universe to explore, but there's no reason to, and it takes forever to get anywhere. And you... you you can fast travel to places you haven't been to yet, but you have to because your goddamn ship is so slow. And it's annoying. And yeah. And I'm constantly told that I'm over encumbered because I'm trying to, you know, stockpile loot to go sell, but then I can't find anywhere to sell it. And then when I do, they only have 5,000 credits to barter with, so they only take like three things from me. And. It's like, oh, and then I go to workbenches to try to work on my gear, and there's all these extra perks that I need that I won't be able to get for 10 more levels, and it's like, ugh. Um, And I'm just constantly running out of healing items, and there's no VATS system. It's Fallout without VATS. Like, ugh. Anyways, (laughs) it's just, I, I, it's not pulling me in the way Skyrim and Fallout 4 did, and, and I'm like, you know what, though? We already got Fallout in space. It was the Outer Worlds. That is a nice, funny game with tongue-in-cheek humor, and it's just very charming and has good characters. <laughs> it's like, so I'm going to just tell people, you don't need to spend $70 on Starfield. Just go play the Outer Worlds. Yeah, I think that's yeah. also on Game Pass. Anytime, any way you could yes. play it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... So I went... Yeah. I was going to say, like, <laughs> Um, it just like I, I, that game okay. just illustrates to me that we spend too much time obsessing over like open world nonsense Dope. when stuff like Outer Worlds is like here's a few smaller focused locations, and this game is like a million times fucking better. Like if if you if you can't make an open world that's actually interesting to explore, then just don't fucking do it, please. Dear the, God. the numbers game is a deep is deeply a distraction. Uh, so Fire Miner's asking some questions that are relating to this. I'm gonna quickly Wait, run me, through them. Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. What is he? Oh, oh, he's got a lot to say. Okay, hang on. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see, so let me just quickly run run these down. Yeah. Uh, so every time a new game, a new Bethesda game comes out, people start complaining about how repetitive the narrative structure is, how everyone in the game treats you like the next savior, how the moral system is fucked. They all want a new Morrowind. Uh, why do you think Bethesda pigeonholed themselves like that, not just in terms of writing, but game design in general? 
uh, what stops them from just making like a low stakes puzzle game or anything out of an RPG? Have you seen the non RPGs Bethesda made? <laughs> that, that's a genuine. Have you played Hunt well, the I, Demon maybe... <laughs> that, that was not an internal development. I know. Uh, well, I am talking okay. about things like an Elder Scrolls Legend Battle Spire or Elder Scrolls Red Guard. Those games are really bad. Um, you know, like what those game games are really. You know what's really good though? It's it wasn't in house, but um, Hi-Fi Rush is freaking awesome. Oh yeah, that was Tango Gameworks. They do great work. Uh, yeah. If you haven't played Evil Within two, that game's incredible. Uh, what was this I hear? Did I hear that Shinji Mikami is no longer with? Tango? Yeah, Shinji Mikami has left Tango Gameworks now. Oh. Oh well. But I'm sure the 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 rest of the talent there seems quite strong. So. So the question here seems to be, yeah, why does Bethesda keep making the same game over and over again, just with a slightly different setting? And it's like, People I don't know. It. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I, look, I bought Oblivion a long time ago on a computer that could barely run it, and I still loved it. And Skyrim is still one of my favorite games, and I played Fallout 3 and New Vegas and Fallout 4. and But Starfield is like, okay, you're... It, it it is most definitely a Bethesda game. It feels like a Bethesda game. It looks like a Bethesda game. But it's like, I already kind of did this five times already, and now you give me more stuff to explore, but no reason to explore any of it because you didn't put anything there. All it, they basically want you to play it like No Man's Sky. They want you to just walk around and scan things. It's like that's not fun. I don't know. I don't want to do that. So. Yeah, like. The, the the issue you run into with this is that like you, we're also when you sell something like Skyrim or like you know Fallout three or four that ends up selling to like ten fifteen plus million people like we get sick of these things because we come to we come to games as a primary form of entertainment. And we play a lot of different kinds of games because we want them to do a lot of different things. But a lot of people who buy like these big RPGs, they come to them, come at them in a very different, uh, with different motives and intentions yeah. of what they want to get out of them. And to them, like yeah, just just keep making this, and like you know, there will be greater or lesser extents of that, and we'll see how Starfield like sort of bears out over the course of the next five or so years but i i do think that it's honestly of limited utility to be like especially when you get digging into the people that are just like why don't they make it like morrowind again that is a tiny subset of a subset of humans uh that are very <laughs> that are very impassioned and have very and often have well articulated reasons for why they want more things like morrowind but uh, to, to sort of go back to this notion <laughs> earlier of like how I wasn't watching uh, a lot of previews for games that I already know I'm going to buy uh, you can't convince that small number of people to buy a game hard enough to make up for like not as effectively capturing that like you know five or so million people that are just sort of like this is the only RPG I play I pick one up every like five years uh and i just use it as something to chill out and get lost in uh every few weeks or you know whenever i get the hankering uh I know someone 
like you're describing someone that I know, and basically he loved Skyrim, mm -hmm. and he loved GTA V. Yep. And he liked The Witcher 3 quite a bit, but just today I signed into Xbox, he's playing GTA 5, and I'm like, that's a game that I played for maybe 5 or 10 hours and was like, I don't like this. But yeah. there are people who, so like, GTA and Call of Duty are like the most popular series ever, and there are people who only play GTA and Call of Duty. And yeah. I don't get it, but you know what? Like... As long some as they're catered they, to. <laughs> they just they want some people they're okay with that. They get home from work and they just pop in something like Skyrim and they play for a couple hours and they go to bed and yeah. you know, and, and they slowly beat it over the course of a few months or years, you know. Yeah, and so, then occasionally they'll check back in when they just feel like experiencing it again. <laughs> and that's fine, right? Yeah. You know? Uh so, yeah, and this this leads into Fireminer's next question. Just how important is the main narrative in a Bethesda game anyway when so many people have shown that they would happily do anything other than the main quest? In other words, I'll how big of a hit? Hmm? Right, I'll tell you what. Like, the um, Skyrim main quest line I didn't care much about. I did mostly mm -hmm. side quests, I think. Fallout 4, I did a mixture of both. But the thing is, Starfield, the main narrative is very important because I think it's the only thing worth doing in the whole game. So... Mm -hmm. The the way yeah. I would describe it is the narrative is important and not is important in as far as it guides players enough to reach the point where they're having fun ignoring it. <laughs> uh, like put simply, the narrative needs to lead you far enough into the game that you reach a point where you can find what makes the game fun to you at which point it no longer matters which is why they often have very strong opening hooks and then like afterwards the narrative kind of tends to sort of lose itself or lose track because it's like the the opening was the thing that mattered getting you to understand what about the game appealed to you and would keep you playing it was what mattered and like how that narrative concludes is kind of i mean it kind of matters but not that much because that's not really uh, like eventually that's not supposed to be what you're playing for and whether starfield succeeds at that is a different question that i'm not equipped to answer but right i haven't played enough of it to know how it is but i can tell you that as wheels said before as we just discussed like anytime Focus. i veer off of that main path i'm like what am i doing there's there's nothing here you know yeah there, there's been a long period where we've seen uh scope uh because it's it's easier to like look at and say this is a bigger game than last one and you can sell that it's very easy to build anticipation around that and i think we're seeing sort of the diminishing returns where people are sort of pushing against that because it's like well i want i want there to be something to do uh so i think uh i think we're pushing into a healthier space with that but it took a bit it's taking a bit um but what there... i loved about skyrim and fallout 4 is that when you do finish the main story the game doesn't just end it doesn't just create a save before the final encounter you get to actually continue exploring the world and see the consequences of some of your actions. Like in Skyrim, now 
you defeat Alduin, and now suddenly there's all these elder dragons flying around, and then you can still do other things like the Civil War, and you know, and so mm -hmm. I like the fact that you can just play them forever. Like so one thing that annoyed me about can Breath always of be my sleep aid, even if I complete the main quest. I, I guess, but <laughs> what I didn't Sweet. like about, for example breath of the wild is it creates a save file right before that final battle and it's like well i would have preferred if i could have defeated him and then maybe new things could have come up around the world or something i don't know i, I would have I, I don't like yes. when they make you save right before the final boss that's all i get that yeah. but then you're you're asking you're asking to blow blow out the scope yeah yeah, yeah. okay because then the uh, pillars of there's Eternity always game more did that yeah. Yeah. There's right. always more that you could. There's always more that you could do, but sometimes yeah. you just gotta say this I mean, is what we can. For something like Elder Scrolls, it makes sense because you know a lot of it's gonna be the same. But for like Breath of the Wild, I feel like well, there'd probably be no monsters for the most part anymore, and there'd be it. It's be a colossal effort. What? In comparison, you know that that probably is a bad example because once Ganon is gone, then it's believed that what the monsters will stop being so aggressive and, and the, all the stop robots getting blood moons yeah right okay that yeah, might have been some, a bad example uh, one more fine, a couple more quick ones it's fine though because i mean i had that same thought and but you know it, it makes sense why they wouldn't do that yeah mm. in terms of these especially stories. considering right. how big that game and its sequel already are in the first what am I saying? I I still haven't beaten Tears of the Kingdom, and and that gives you more stuff to do. Yeah, I still need to do that too. It's it's been a, it's been a busy a busy year for yeah. games. It has been. Um, a couple quick ones. Yeah, I keep okay. getting distracted by old games, which I'll talk about when we talk about what I have been playing. Yeah, just a couple more quick ones, and we'll get to that. Uh, same situation with Chronic FIFA and NFL fans who only buy these games. Also, I heard that people do not like FIFA, uh, not FIFA, Football Club 24. Uh, I never, yeah, um, like, I don't understand the appeal of sports games. I never did, but. I mean, we're I not mean, the I, audience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really liked NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and I, I liked all the goofy sports games i like all the mario sports games but the the serious sports simulators that just have no interest to me but it does seem like every one of them gets a new entry every year it does seem like okay you've got 2k games you've got ea games it's like how many annual installments of every freaking sport do you need you know I'm, i don't know and for a lot of people, it's the one game that they're going to buy that year, one of two or three. So to them, like, for, they're going to play it for months because they're going to, it's the the ultimate of fantasy sports for them. Then, yeah. you know, right. like seventy bucks, that's a steal. <laughs> I'm just not a sports person, I guess. Right? Yeah, that's all. You got to be a sporto. But that's also where like some of the issues with football club would be would be that like people are having some degree of issues with stagnation or degradation of features, but also now they can't play the official version of their favorite team because the FIFA license is gone. But okay. Let's see. And then one last one. There's no way Nintendo or Sega will be sold to Microsoft, right? Uh, there's like a million reasons that that's not going to happen, not the least of which is that it's actually really hard for uh, due to forms, certain forms of economic protectionism. It's actually really hard for like an American corporation like Microsoft to just buy a major Japanese corporation. 
I don't know uh, why right now at least Nintendo would ever sell to anyone. Oh, they wouldn't. Like that's yeah. like the, the the thing that sparked this was a couple years old email uh, from Peter Moore. You can tell not Peter Moore. Oh, okay. uh, fuck, what's is it? Fuck, I forget which Xbox. I thought it was something about. Phil Spencer said. A while oh, Phil about. Spencer. Yeah, I'm thinking of Peter Moore, who was like their thing. Like who was like 15. Yeah. Who was a guy like 15 years ago. Uh, okay. <laughs> sorry, my brain's a little my brain's a little fried. Uh, but uh, Phil Spencer, like. The thing about it is, one, you can tell this email was from a few years ago because he's talking about uh, the Bethesda buyout before it had even actually had an offer made on it. Like, he's talking about it as one of their potential acquisition partners. So this is a few years ago. Uh, the other thing is, of course, obviously, he's like, it would be a career moment for me if we could buy Nintendo. But even in his, like, you know, when he's outlining his ambitions for doing that, it's clear that he obviously knows that's not happening anytime soon. Uh, Nintendo's board of directors doesn't see it as a growth stock, which is good. Uh, like, your board saying that this needs to be a growth stock that needs to, like, uh, pump every single quarter is, like, the reason that everything sucks ass. Mm. Uh, like, a whole bunch of entertainment companies trade stocks, and that's why, like, streaming is a nightmare. Uh... Like, that sort of thing. Uh, and the fact that Nintendo's board, who has the power to, like, care what they do, doesn't see it as a growth stock. They just want them to continue bringing in money. That is the reason, one of the many reasons that it's very hard to even float the idea of buying Nintendo. There's, of course, the point that was brought up that, that I just brought up that, like, it would be really hard for them to, even if Nintendo was seeking a buyer... Uh, they bring up like the potential of trying to purchase a, purchase them in a hostile takeover and how that would be a really bad idea. Uh, trying to purchase them hostile or not would, you know, like I said, economic protectionism, There's, it's very hard to just buy a Japanese corporation if you're not a Japanese corporation. Um, this is good. There's, yeah, uh, there's... Uh, you, you would need Nintendo to be dwindling their cash reserves that's not happening because of how they how they spend their money and how much of a war chest they keep you would basically need multiple wii u level failures in a row okay. uh to run through that amount of cash like just billions and billions on hand uh like now, they did um did pokemon go basically save them from the failure of no. the wii u or no no okay. Okay. They would have gotten some money off of that, but they weren't even the primary developer. Uh, I don't know what share of that cash went to them. Uh, okay. It's unclear in part because who owns the Pokemon company is a, uh, in terms of percentages, is uh, a very shrouded mystery. <laughs> um, like, we know that Game Freak, Nintendo, and Creatures own the Pokemon company in some sort of split uh, of an unclear degree. Okay. We know that Nintendo does not have a controlling stake in Game Freak uh, because Game Freak does occasionally make things for other systems. Uh, and we uh, have no idea how much of a stake they own in creatures, but we know it's a non-zero amount. So 
the odds are Nintendo probably owns more than 50% of Pokemon, but we don't actually know. <laughs> wow. Uh, but it would take three or four Wii U's for them to actually go under? I, I feel like it would probably, like, one, they would never go under. They would, like, no. they don't. They, they don't see themselves as ever existing without making hardware. And I think that that's probably a healthy attitude to maintain. But should they ever, like, be at death's door, someone's going to buy all those IP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all yeah. that, like, infrastructure and stuff. Um, but, but beyond that, uh, it, it would you would need, like, years and years of not turning a profit for them to actually start running out of money. Uh, and Nintendo's methods, uh, Nintendo's way of doing business generally makes it slightly harder for them to not turn a profit. And Uh, and also don't forget, Joe, that while the Wii was going on, despite a slow start, the 3DS also took off to some extent. (laughs) Yeah. But like, just for sake of argument though, like we're just to look at it, uh, the, the the big deal here would be that it's it's also that it's actually harder for Nintendo to lose money on a new system launch to the same degree that Sony or Microsoft do because Nintendo usually doesn't sell hardware for less than it costs to make. Yeah, they don't sell at a loss the way uh, like the PS3 sold at a loss for years before it. Um, yeah, mostly because the cost of. Out. Uh, Blu-ray laser diodes took forever to go down. Um, okay, but yeah, just just in general, like usually they aren't taking losing money hand over fist when a system launches. They might not be making a lot of money per system. But they aren't usually losing a lot of money per system, uh, and that means that like the amount of losses they take on new hardware is, I mean, it's still extremely expensive to launch hardware, but they aren't losing money hand over fist for years while waiting for the hardware to turn a profit. Um, we and the Switch have just been hugely popular, and so I guess that was good for yeah. them. Yeah, sure. but they're, they're also terrified of ever being in a situation like, uh, you know, they've seen how quickly things can switch from feast to famine when you jump from Wii and DS to uh wii u and to a lesser extent 3ds where so they of course knowing how fickle the market can be also have yeah like i said gobs and gobs of hands of cash on hand so yeah i don't think there's a meaningful chance of that ever happening as for sega same economic protectionism applies they're also i believe owned by some sort of pachinko giant at this stage uh, which is the sort of company that will essentially never run out of money because gambling is one of the most profitable things you can do. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, the, if you're, the, I should say, gambling is one of the most profitable things can you can do if you're the house. <laughs> right. Well, and it seems like Sega and Microsoft do still have a good relationship because there's more. Oh, they more have a great Sega working relationship. There's <laughs> more games are going to Game Pass, even upcoming Persona mm-hmm. games. It's like so. I it's believe like, you know Persona what, um, 3 Reload and Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth will both be on Game Pass Day 1. So, so I don't see Microsoft ever buying Sega. Like you said, they it's, probably wouldn't be able to, uh, but it, but I they mean, don't at, need to. Yeah, as you say, at the moment, you know, it seems they irrelevant. They gain nothing from doing so. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. There's no benefit to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's ignoring um, the fact that if either of them were purchased, enough old people know what Nintendo and Sega are that 
it would actually set off a lot more of a firestorm with antitrust. Like, there's been kickups, a lot of them, over Activision Blizzard because of Call of Duty. If Microsoft somehow attempted a purchase of Nintendo, even if everything else cleared up, you would run into, okay, even the most negligent antitrust uh, board is going to look at, there are three people that make video game consoles, and one of them is going to be stopping now. <laughs> uh, let's see... Will Sony ever stop making consoles, or are they still a hardware company at heart? You'll never see them stop. They just... I think largely in part because Sony is also home of an extremely bloated R&D division. <laughs> uh, if you ever go back and look at their consumer electronics division, especially in like the uh, 70s through the 90s, it was full of things that's like, there's no explanation, like, no one looked at looked at a hole in the market and said this product will fill it. Someone made this product, and then marketing was told put, like, try to sell this. Go ahead. Give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, so, like, let's let's hit, uh, what, what else have you been playing other than Starfield, Joe? Yeah, I'd like to get back to that. Um, okay. So, Though, so the good news is, like, we were talking about this already. Um, yes, when you pre-order a game from Nipponichi's store, they bill you immediately, it seems. so. Yeah, that's, yes, that's a new change. It happened with the yeah. switch over from their old store, which uh, the the new... It seems to be, like, a new, nicer back end, which is good. But, yeah, I don't like that change either. But it so, pro probably I mean, works better for them. I mean, I'm not that upset about it because so I pre-ordered the Disgaea 7 Special Edition. You know, it comes with the Steelbook, the physical soundtrack, physical art book, and a nice coffee mug. And it's like, wow, yeah, I'll pay a hundred bucks for that. Yeah, they yeah. do have nice special editions. They do. So, so I pre-ordered it two months ago and got billed for it two months ago. But yeah. where I'm going with this is I did get a chance to play the new demo of Disgaea 7 up on the yeah, PS5. Yeah, And I'm like, this is good. Like, the biggest change is they went back to just the normal XP payouts and the like normal, normal numbers. numbers instead of like <laughs> nine bazillion for everything. <laughs> so good, I start, <laughs> I started the demo and it's like, okay, I like this main character that they introduce he's kind of this lazy former samurai guy bushido guy and he just he needs money he's in debt and then this young girl shows up and she's like super wealthy and she's wants to see what the old Edo period is like in this Edo inspired netherworlds but nothing is authentic and it's all been corrupted and but it's it's neat so far. There's two main characters so far, and I like them both. And I like the first couple battles I did. I made a few characters, and some of my favorite classes are there. Everything's in 3D. Performance is good. Graphics are good. It's like, okay, I'm, I, I like this. I'm excited about this coming out soon. So... And I'm not sure if progress carries over from it, the demo to the main game. It should. I believe it did with six, and they, they usually do with their demos. Okay. So, yeah. yeah it's, it's, at this point, it's rare that that's not the case. Yeah. I think the Star Ocean 2 demo is the same way. So, yeah, at this it's... point, I, I don't regret pre ordering the collector's edition. I don't regret getting billed for it two months early. Um, so. 
Because hey, it'll be a good game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other demo I played was for the upcoming Star Ocean Second Story remake, and that was also very impressive. I played that for about an hour or two, and um, that may carry over to the main game. I, I looked it up, it does. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, this is like... Because I played Second Story. Um, I played... Well, I bought it a long time ago. Let me think. It was one of those things where I went into a used game store one day, and Second Story was in the glass case for 30 bucks. And I'm like, oh, sure, I'll play it. And th so this might have been 10 years ago, and it was playable on PS3, because that could still read PS1 yeah. discs. And, and I really enjoyed playing it. Um... I don't know. I, I ended up selling it along with the rest of my vintage collection at, at some point. But to find out about the remake and to get to play that demo was like, okay, cool. I'd like to revisit this and see if I can actually finish it. Yeah, so. I adore Star Ocean 2 with all of my heart. So if you want uh, recommendations on how to play that game real stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm playing it okay. The, the only mistake I made is there was... Um, I don't know if the original did this, but enemy encounters are just, they're on the map as just these clouds with eyes, and there's blue, purple, and red. So I walked into a red That's cloud. That's new. Okay, it was just but, random encounters originally. Okay, so there's, so you, yeah, you see the, it, it, it doesn't tell you which monsters it is, but it gives you an idea of how difficult it should be. So what mm -hmm. I found out is that if it's red, don't touch it. You will not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you will die in one hit, and <laughs> when you lose a battle, you have the option to retry or go back to the title screen. Well, after retrying about eight times and just repeatedly dying in this one combat encounter, I was forced to go back to the title you can screen. Run, all right? the... <laughs> oh, I, you know, no, maybe. I didn't it's probably buried in the menu. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. I just, I just was determined to beat this stupid. In combat encounter and i kept getting one-shotted and but but then i found out that the game does auto save like there are auto save checkpoints so Excellent. i didn't have to go all the way back to the last manual yes <laughs> that's something that wasn't in the original <laughs> oh so i'm like okay so far that there are some quality of life improvements the graphics are good and i i think it's yeah really i like nice. the hd 2d style i think it suits that game very well so i'd like to get that when it comes out um what That's so much better than I was expecting when I saw that they were prepping a second story or I was expecting something much less cool than what they've done. It, it's, it's really cool. I really like it. Oh, um, hey, it's the thing from the thing. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm distracted by this game. So, what else really have good. I been playing? Let me think about this for a second. Because I, um, well, I did jump back into Pokemon, but you know that already because we played it yeah. on Sunday. Um, that was fun. I just want to may want to jump the, the back into. <laughs> yeah, I want to be the very best, like no one was before. Yeah, um, I want to jump back into Cyberpunk. Um, I didn't buy the expansion yet, but I guess they did the a 2.0 update. update. It looks like they just revamped everything. So I'm like, maybe this would be a good chance to like play through again and try a different character build. Um, and if I get bored with that, I can always jump back to my super high-level character who's like totally ready to just go right into the expansion. So I may want to just experience the 2.0 update a little bit with a new character before getting the expansion. So yeah, it seems about... like they've made a lot of like 
good changes to it, so... Yeah, um... And then... Let's see. So as part of my streaming schedule on twitch.tv slash smokingjoegamer, um, i still doing Sega Timber, but Sega. basically, you know, Atlas games count now. So That's true. I did some Dragon's Crown Pro. I did some... Um, but I did Shin Megami Tensei Five, and I, and I already talked about that a little bit the last time I was on. Game um, real hard. <laughs> yeah, game hard. Not good for a stream. Game hard. Um, <laughs> you playing lots. You want to do uh, some Dragon's Crown for a? a I I suggested it because oh yeah because uh, now on PlayStation Plus there are Vanillaware games and Star Ocean games, including Divine Force. The PS5 version is on Plus now, so I'd like to give that a shot. But that game's real. Dragon Crown Pro, I, I have the disc for. I have the Steelbook case, but you know sometimes I'm just I just don't feel like popping that disc in there, and now I don't have to. Mm -hmm. So um, I played I, that the other day and started a new yeah, game I, as an I elf and got to level games eight when they're on sale for that very reason. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like four dollars recently. I should. So maybe I could have done that. Sadly, I don't own it. <laughs> so, but I can mock well, YouTube playing it. <laughs> uh, we, you I, I got do the that, game... or if there's a time when you're not going to be on, we can use that to fill in. Either. Oh way. yeah, I'll be gone. I'll be gone at the end of October. All right, we'll slot it in there then. Yeah, sounds good. So, I bought that game on PS3 the day it came out. Because I remember going to GameStop and be like, do you have Dragon's Crown? And they're like, the fuck is that? What on and, earth are you talking about, sir? <laughs> and they had it. And then he's like, oh, I'm supposed to give you this art book with it. And it's like a pretty decent sized soft cover art book. I think it's like 100 pages long. It's not too bad. And that had some nice artwork in it. Um, very artistically pleasing pictures of the sorceress and oh, Jesus. other things. I, I swear it was very artistic. Um, I want to know as little as possible. I'll just take your word. Yeah. So, so anywho, I, I got that game on PS3 the day it came out. It came with a very nice art book, and um, I played the crap out of that game. I platinumed that game. It took 70 hours. So Jeez. I got the Amazon up to level 100. So to... Basically, there are trophies for beating normal with each class, and there's six classes, and you end up being about level 30 when you beat it on normal. Um, Lord. <laughs> but then you have to beat the game on the two higher difficulties with just one character, and then you've got to get one character to level 100. And that was so for me, that was the Amazon, but then. Then you have to fight the true final boss, this crazy freaking demon. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that game. And on f so, on the one hand, all my progress carried over to the PS4 version, but the trophies did too. So basically, yeah, I'm like, well, gee, I I can't get any more trophies. And I, I don't have to start over, but there's also like no reason to. And it's like, huh. All right, so it's still fun to play, but what I did the other night for the stream is I just made a new character, and I played up to about level 8 with the elf. That's fun. Um, and it's like, okay, this is actually kind of fun again, and you know, and I'm, I'm remembering how to play and, and stuff. Um, so I played that the other night, and then I streamed um, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, and 
Yeah, that game um, is very cool. I mean, so it it's very much like a visual novel, but interspersed with these interesting tactical uh, robot battle. And I <laughs> I do like the game. It's just you know what though, it's vanillaware, so you expect some fan service, but it just was it's a different. weirdly horny game. <laughs> yeah, it it made me feel kind of icky actually. So. You know, like all these teenagers got to get nude in order to pilot the robot. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, it's, so like it's weird. It's off-putting. <laughs> it's different because, like, I'm just I was just talking about Dragon's Crow. It's Dragon's Crown, and it's like, well, you know, the Amazon and the sorceress—they're grown women. You know, they're grown and, women making a choice. <laughs> right, and then like Persona Five, there's some fan service there, but they all kind of look like they're in their 20s don't they like i always think of them as being older than it's, they are so. the treachery of images it's it's harder to tell how old like a drawing is it's easier to like put out of your mind for certain styles and everyone looks like a high schooler in uh in 13 sentinels yeah it's just so the this time around the fan service makes me a little uncomfortable but it's still a good game, and there's no actual nudity, of course, and and there shouldn't be. But um, no, but it, it's, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a little off-putting. But but then I also I like kind of the references to all these different kind of sci-fi movies and books and stuff. Um, like oh yeah, the writing is really interesting. Yeah, it so it's weird time travel shenanigans, but at the same time you've got two people who were around during world war ii and skipped ahead in time but then there's people who come from the future to try to save things and i'm like so at one point like a girl gets transported into the future and everything's destroyed and there's robots everywhere and i'm like see this is what happens when you don't stop skynet (laughs) so um and then she finds a robot hiding out in the locker room and she kind of starts ref- she kind of starts inadvertently referencing ET and that's when like this scene takes place in 1985 so I'm looking up the dates and I'm like oh yeah ET was 82 yeah. right and yeah. there's a point where two characters are like oh yeah let's go hang out with this kid he has the latest game systems and I'm like you mean just the Famicom and Atari 2800 yeah but <laughs> yeah or uh well actually I looked it up according to Wikipedia Take it with a grain of salt. Um, when Atari 2600 was later released in Japan, they called it the 2800, supposedly. Yeah, but that wouldn't, be the, wouldn't have been the latest uh, Atari at the time. So, but I'm just like, like, oh yeah, he has the latest consoles. And I'm like, okay, so he has a Pong console? He has ColecoVision? He has <laughs> Famicom? Like, okay, sure. Um, Remember the Atari 2700? No. That was a that was a plan. Was that the one to... in Europe? No. No, the twenty seven hundred was supposed to be an Atari twenty six hundred with a wireless controller. Oh, well, that would have been neat. Yeah, it's not actually. It's one of those things where it's like you made you took an arbitrary number and then you gave it like you, you put a truly bizarre designation up and it like just decided to count up from there. It's like the Commodore sixty five, which was a planned Commodore sixty four follow up. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. So 13 Sentinels uh, got its hooks in you? Or? I'm going to keep playing it, yeah. 
Um, mm -hmm. Just got to make sure, you know, like, my mom doesn't, like, stop by while I'm playing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that would Please, be you have to understand. <laughs> it's uh, Hi, Mom. It's Let art. me tell you about VanillaWare. Yeah. Well, she always texts ahead before she shows up, so, you know. <laughs> She's, she's good like that, but like, my dad was in town for a month, so I was spending a lot of time with him, which was good, but he sometimes has a habit of just popping Dropping in. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I was on this side of town already, because he hates traffic, so if he's already on your side of town, he may just pop in, because he doesn't want to have to go home and then have to go back out again and sit in more traffic. Mm -hmm. it's, he's That's just how he is, but okay, anyway. Let me tell um, you about VanillaWare, maker of many great games except Grim Grimoire. Wow, oh, that's not good. I never played that one. It's... Didn't they just get a remake? They yeah. did. Okay. It's still boring. But, <laughs> but God damn it, Muramasa the Demon Blade, it's still trapped on Wii and Vita. I mean, come on. Yeah, the the Vita version is such a bizarre thing to have happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully Put it someday. on Switch. Put it on Switch, God damn it. At least we're getting, uh, at least they're still making games. Unicorn Overlord. That'll be yeah, interesting to see. yeah, that looks cool. That does look neat. So, the the next planned stream should be tomorrow night at some point. I am gonna do a Radiant Silver Gun. Um, Hell yeah, because that's um, you figure it was Treasure developed, Sega published, but I'm gonna do the Xbox 360 version. And I just tested it today to make sure it would let me stream it straight from console, and it did work. So I don't hmm. have to change any wires around or worry about HTCP and all that. But the reason I, was, I wasn't I was sure is because last year, I think I tried to do... Or, or at some point, I tried to live stream um, Castlevania, Harmony of Despair. No, we're not and it's And it told me um, you can't That's Tam, do that. Man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> when I... When, so when I tried to just go live stream straight to Twitch from console on one of the Xbox 360 Castlevania games, it told me it couldn't be done. And I thought that meant that you couldn't do that with any 360 games. But it turns out it's just a stupid Konami thing, because Radiant Silver Gun was like, oh yeah, you can totally live stream this. Yeah. So so that's, that's my next planned stream. Um, and the 360 version has like an extra story mode. You can give yourself more lives and... It's just a yeah, really good version. Just, yeah, because originally the game was a Saturn exclusive, Japan exclusive. Um, there were there were yeah. arcade there were English arcade versions that for whatever reason just fuck you over just for having the English settings set on. Okay. Like it it disables a bunch of the weapons for no adequately defined reason. <laughs> so all right, so basically. Yeah, so I just talked about the games I've been playing, and I did my plug already, so... Yeah, if now... you've forgotten that plug, it is at twitch.tv slash smokinjoegamer. <laughs> and YouTube, and Mastodon, and Discord, but mm. not any stupid freaking meta services anymore. No Facebook, no Instagram, and no X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Fuck that platform. Good choice. Uh... One thing I'm I want to say, one thing I want to say before we get to what Wheels has been playing is I'm always like, whenever it's I see Wheels streaming Kakarot, I'm always just like impressed once again at the work that CyberConnect Two put in making this port as good as it is. It's really, really good. 
Would you recommend it to a person who doesn't like Dragon Ball Z? No. Okay. Dragon Ball Z, ass Dragon Ball Z game. It does, however, look exactly like the kind of Dragon Ball Z game I dreamed of as a child, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would question your taste, but no, I would not recommend playing it if you don't like Dragon Ball. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, what was I going to say? So, Wheels, you mentioned wanting to talk a bit about what you've been playing. Yes, I want to talk about Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which I've been playing, <laughs> and watching Dragon Ball <laughs> Super and just reveling in lots of Dragon Ball. So I'm trying to trying to finish watching Dragon Ball Super so my son can stop lording over me the fact that he already watched all of Dragon Ball Super. Can't believe you're getting big timed by your, yes. by your son over anime. Uh, yeah, so I've been watching a lot of that. It's a little slow in the beginning, like the the first two arcs. The first arc I liked a lot. The Frieza arc I didn't really care for. <laughs> It's uh again. It was better as a movie. Yeah, I wish. It's funny you told me when you told me that I had just finished watching the Freeze arc and just like fuck. Yeah, I wish I wish you had told me you were watching Super and I yeah. could have advised you. It's, but, oh it's, well, it definitely seems like it must have been better as a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, after that, it it really kind of takes off and just revels. Yeah. It feels like the show revels in everything that makes Dragon Ball great, like. Hey, here's this super cool, at times dark and serious Goku Black arc. And, okay, yeah, that's what I thought was the next arc. Yeah, and then hey, here's this episode where Goku and Vegeta have to fight a character from Doctor Slump. Oh, and with right. Vegeta breaking the fourth wall on a few occasions. She is. Uh, she is the strongest of all because she's a gag manga character. Exactly. And then, hey, here's a few episodes about people making a movie about Gohan's superhero alter ego. Oh, the great Saiyan man. Yes. And Important. Then eventually the build up towards next arc, which I uh, will get to soon, which is the uh, Tournament of Power. Mm -hmm. It looks cool. But yeah, it's it's just and just kind of the characters they bring back from all kinds of places in Dragon Ball history is fun and often making fun of Yamcha, which is hilarious. Yeah, fuck Yamcha. Um... <laughs> like There's the part when, oh my God, when Goku's recruiting everyone for the Tournament of Power and Yamcha's just like, oh, he's definitely going to ask me. So I'm going to say no at first. Cool. <laughs> never gets asked. And I don't know <laughs> if they even reference it again. <laughs> I really don't so want to go on this great. boating trip with Bart. So if he asks, I'll just say yes. Wait a minute, are you sure that's how this sort of the thing works? <laughs> so you shut up or I'll, punch, or I'll poke you with a Q-tip. <laughs> Dad, I really yes. want you to go on the boating trip with me. Son, be I would delighted, be delighted. <laughs> uh, his only moment to shine so far in the series was uh, the baseball episode, which is another fun one off. But, but yeah, Dragon Ball is funny and serious. Which also, and goofy uh, which also and makes great. fun of the uh, Yamcha dying. Yes. Hmm. Uh, but the best, uh, the best Dragon Ball filler was always when they had to do something extremely stupid. Like in Z, the best filler episode is the one where it's Goku and Piccolo trying to get a driver's license, <laughs> uh, but with, which got adapted into Kakarot. Uh, but uh, the way they make Goku just such a gleeful moron is 
is he's uh, the dumbest boy alive. It's it's <laughs> special. Like there was one episode where he didn't understand what kissing was. Just yeah, the, that one was always a little, that one's actually slightly concerning. <laughs> the, the way the the way they do uh, Vegeta's reaction to that revelation is just fucking hilarious. He's just like, what the, basically, what the fuck are you talking about? It raises it raises a lot of troubling questions, <laughs> which it's obviously intended to do, and it's just. It's hilarious. Yeah. Don't 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 think too hard about it, but think just hard about it enough to laugh at it. Yes. <laughs> uh, Fireminer asks, uh, can we do GT again and just have Kid Goku doing a bunch of roadside adventure? That sounds fun. Yeah, but I don't think you're ever going to see someone reference back to GT again. <laughs> is, is, it, is it bad? Because I, I believe you. I don't. I, I don't think it's as bad as people say, but it is definitely. It was not popular. Yeah. It's it's one of those ones that like, uh, especially in retrospect, people look back on it with a lot of disdain. And Super kind of puts it in a space where like, Super and GT can't exist in the same universe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think they would be hesitant to do like Kid Goku adventures yes. uh, just because it stinks of GT. Uh, and also, uh, Lord Beerus, my favorite character. I think he's great. And also, there's, I thought it was funny, there's a point in the series where he actually uses his destroyer powers to kill someone, and then it's like, <laughs> oh, so he kind of was just messing around with Goku and could have murdered him at any time if he so choose, chose to. Yeah, it's like a 6 out of 10. Yeah. Still, like I did love when I first saw the end of that movie, and it's just like, oh, I don't have to destroy that much, and he just like throws up a rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great! It's so very great. But yes, uh, playing more Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which is, uh, I mean, if you've already watched the anime in your youth, I think this is a gr really great way, great way to, to go re back to through revisit it. it. Because it doesn't take as long, and you get to actually play all those battles, which is really, really fun. So they were always exciting to begin with. Yes. <laughs> uh, but so it's such a good capturing of the art style as well. It is. Yeah, it looks really good. If you have the Switch version, it runs perfect. I haven't seen any issues whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, though it was funny. Uh, CyberConnect does not fuck around. They do good work. Yeah. <laughs> I think Pew pointed this out. It's just like, for a game called Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, there's not a lot of Kakarot going on, which is, so far, is very true. It's been mostly playing as Gohan. You gotta wait until... Yeah, I'm not actually sure where this one stops. I don't know if it adapts Boo or if it just stops after... I assume it goes past Frieza, but yeah. I don't know if it goes past Cell. I don't know, which is weird because they have DLC that is not like any of the storylines they might be missing it's like they have the first two arcs of super i think and, and one of yeah. the dlcs is a battle arena from dragon ball yeah. not even dragon ball z just dragon ball and there's one arc that was never adapted into any anime i forget what it's called some uh, it's... Okay, they do do majin buu which is one of those things where it's like majin buu is like Majin Buu is like really weird 
uh, for its place in like Dragon Ball because it was kind of the highest rated episodes when they came out, at least in Japan, but also like the ones that people are most willing to just sort of skip if they're going to skip any. <laughs> Which is why when they did Dragon Ball Z Kai, initially they only went through Cell. And then when Kai was really popular in the US, they went back and did Kai versions of the Boo arc. It's a really strange like thing they did. Yeah. The only question I have about this game is... Are these like so? It's got voice acting, obviously. Are these yeah. just like the pulled from the original anime, or did they re-record any of this dialogue? They re-record this every time they do this. Okay, that's crazy impressive. Yeah. Well, some of it is because the uh, various companies have different contracts for Dragon Ball, oh, so at this sense. point they yeah. have to keep redubbing it because who knows which. I, I just don't know which company owns yeah. what right at what time. That would be. I mean, it's, it's really more just because like the game has bespoke dialogue, and I mean, it's not hard to get Chris Sabat and Sean Schemmel into a booth. Yeah, I, I guess that would explain why it's been hard to find Dragon Ball Z Kai even streaming anywhere. Like I know it's on Hulu, Hulu now, but I, yeah, I don't think it was anywhere a... before that. <laughs> It's a shame it's a huge pain in the ass because it's a really breathy way to rewatch it. Yeah. Like you're you're literally uh, at war at, at its most breezy. It's a two to one cut. Like uh, the first hundred episodes of Dragon Ball Z Kai cover over two hundred episodes of material from the original run, but it especially it's helpful when you get to things like the Frieza fight, which is like. 30 solid episodes in the original run and there's just absolutely no reason for anything to take that long no uh the reason that it takes that long is because the fight was not finished in the manga when they were animating it they have five minutes until the planet namek is destroyed maybe that's why i don't have fond memories of frieza like the other villains i think are cool and Mm -hmm. they were they were a little smarter about they were a little smarter about like pacing things out with the later ones, but Frieza they really got caught flat-footed. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, since Kai is hard to come by, this is this game is much it's, much it's, much easier to come by. Like the next-gen mm -hmm. versions they released are what twenty bucks, and even, yeah, and, even, and the Switch version's gotten cheap now too. Yeah, and if you want to say well, it's on Steam. Maybe that's an easy way for them to sell you the DLC. Like minus the DLC, it's there's a ton in there. Yeah, it's like it's not like it's a game that is missing content. No. Like this, uh, this is a great, great way to re to experience Dragon Ball Z again. So if you're a fan, you know, definitely recommend it. Uh, if you mm. somehow came to the series later and are watching Dragon Ball Super like my son who that's the only Dragon Ball series he's watched. Uh are you trying to big time your son on a podcast? No, he, he already big times me enough. <laughs> so it's like kid, yes, of course you watch all this anime kid. You you don't fucking work. Urgh. 
can't believe, I'm, I'm, I can't I'm, believe I'm, you're letting yourself getting owned by your son. Yeah, I have <laughs> I being the adult, I've resisted the urge to lord it over him that I'm like 50 episodes ahead of him in One Piece. You sound like a lunatic right now. It's my pride, yeah. man. Yeah, I know, and it's <laughs> It is very stupid. I don't care. My pride as a television consumer. Yes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, other actual games I've been playing, other than messing around a bit with Dragon Ball Fighters, um, which is not necessarily a game I'd want to try and get good at and play against real humans, but just messing around against computers is fun. It's very pretty. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see what else. Uh, I feel like I fired up something. Oh, hold on. Fireman says GT was not bad. It did alright in Japan. I blame the abridged version for GT's bad press. I don't know what that is. Uh, the Dragon Ball the abridged series. Don't worry about it. Um, what I was going to say in response to that is that. Uh, uh, the the that group came out of Dragon Ball fandom, where GT has in in the English fandom, I should say, has had like kind of an axe to grind about GT for a good like fifteen twenty years. So uh, it, it didn't come from them. They certainly helped spread that uh, opinion around, but it wasn't new, at least among English fans. English-speaking fans, I should say. Okay, other things I've played this week. Uh, Myth Force. Very pretty yeah, little pretty. action roguelike. Looks like it'd be more fun in multiplayer, uh, but at least the Switch port seems a little rough around the edges for now. Not it sure. also looks like so, it would be more fun if it was so, VR. Uh, well, then you're never going to find people to play it with. Uh, no. Um... Started up Sea of Stars. It's very, very nice. People seem to like that one. Yeah, yeah. it's not very far in it, but enjoyed that. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Was I playing anything else? Um, all that Toriyama art got me to fire up Dragon Quest Eleven. So I think that's. I was probably, wondering why I saw that. Yes, I think that's probably going to resume soon. It's a really good game. Yes, it is. Uh, but yeah, that's probably going to, especially with um, uh, Infinity Infinity Strash and Dragon yeah. Quest Monsters coming out in. A few hey, months. check out Slime Time. They just did a. They're doing a interview with uh, one of the producers of Infinity yeah, Strash. I saw that. I gotta listen to that. So with those two games coming out, it seems like that's just gonna be inevitably. And with with that character art style constantly in my face right now, it's it's just gonna happen. So uh, <laughs> expect to hear more on me from that soon. Um, okay. But as far as other things I plan to play soon, it's more trails and um, while I'm on anime kick, I thought I was going to play a Tales. I decided, meh, uh, I'm going to go and finish um, .hack instead. Hell yeah. That's a good-ass um, game. Yeah, so that's um, it for me. 
Uh, I just did a search of some uh, TGS trailers, and there's some... I gotta get caught up on all this, but... Remember how I was playing some Genesis shoot-em-ups? Yeah. Earlier this month? Well, there's gonna be a Toa Plan compilation that will include Truxton and Hellfire. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I think they also just announced a new Cotton game. <laughs> oh, man. There's some cool stuff. Oh, and, and there's a reveal trailer for the new Street Fighter Six character. She looks pretty cool. Oh, yeah, Aki. She looks great. Uh, low disk space. Yeah. What are you doing, computer, that's eating up my space? Hold, hold and what sh- is this? Pa- Pal World. That looks neat. What is this all about? I'm going to quickly hit a... Oh yeah, they did a big oh, and, uh, and Dragon Drag- Dragma Two demo. Yeah, yeah File Fireminer mentioned that before, so I want to check that out. Yeah, that looks exciting. Oh, yeah, hold on. As Fireminer asks, how popular would Steve Stars be had it been an SNES game? Very probably. In other words, how many people yeah. actually played Chrono Trigger when it came out? Uh, quite a few. It, it had two different of people. Of, yeah, I think uh, okay. Chrono Trigger had two different spreads through Nintendo Power. Two months in a row. Yeah, probably a couple yeah. hundred thousand copies sold if I were to hazard a guess. Yeah, yeah, so Chrono Trigger got got a lot of play in um, in Nintendo Power. So because of that, because it covered like the first easily half of the game in Nintendo Power. It's wild to do because that game was only like fifteen hours long. <laughs> I mean, nope, I, a short game, but I mostly yeah. hung out with nerds. But we all knew about that game. It's a big deal. Big, big nerd place. Uh, let's see. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah, there's a Dark Prince trailer as well. I need to, or a demo as well. I need to try that. Yeah, I got to play that too. There's too many things. Uh, but yeah, uh, starting to focusing in on what I'm going to be playing. For most of the rest of the year, with a probably some time carved out for Spider-Man's, but I feel like I'm probably gonna just like devour that game in like a week and then move on. <laughs> It'll be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're bringing back Iluna, Legend of the Unemployed Ninja. That's a really weird thing to see come back. Wait, what? Iluna, Legend of the Unemployed Ninja. What? They're reviving that for Switch and PC. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. Like a remake, is it a or... new new game, or is it like a remake of an old game? Because they've done that with... Unclear. Mm, okay. It just says they, they just announced a new game that is just tentatively just called Izuna. And it's a revival of the DS one. Who makes that? I think it was published uh, by Atlas. Okay. It was published by Atlas, but I think it's the same team that also does Sheer and the Wanderer. I don't think so. No, it's Success I've, Corporation who owns it. I vaguely thought there was like some connection between the two. I remember, I, I vaguely remember seeing something back in the day. I could be wrong. I think it might reference Sheeran or something like that. I mean, obviously, it references Sheeran. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was always it was developed by something called Ninja Studio, apparently. That's confusing. At least at the time <laughs> in Japan, it was published by Success Corporation. Uh. But Ninja Studio seems to have made mostly low-budget things. Izuna seems to have been the closest thing they had to a hit. And they seem to have gone out of business at some point uh, around 2010. 
Yeah. But the two um, are like very similar games. Yeah, I mean they're both roguelikes. But yeah, Izuna was always a little more friendly than Shiran, just because you could grind in it. But You're all dead. yeah. Uh... But yeah, the as mentioned, uh, as Fireman was asking, that weird DS rogue, like yes, <laughs> that's <clears throat> still not the weirdest revival that I've seen come out of TGS. If the weirdest one I've seen come out of TGS is Rushing Beat X, which I know what that is. I've heard so, of Rushing Beat. Rushing Beat was a series of three B-tier brawlers for the Super Nintendo. That none of them had the name Rushing Beat in the U.S. In English, they were called uh, Rival Turf. Uh, what's it? Yeah, Rival Turf, Brawl Brothers, and the Peacekeepers. But in Japan, those were all those were a series of games called Rushing Beat. Uh, and it, I I have no earthly idea why that suddenly came back. <laughs> that was a weird thing to see. Uh, uh, yeah. Hey, there's a new um, Undernight Inbirth game in development. Yeah, Undernight 2, which comes out like the same fucking day as Yakuza, as like a Dragon Infinite Wealth and Persona 3 Reload. Wow. Why are they doing this? Why do this to me? <laughs> I don't know, but this looks Maybe they think cool. most people are like me, who have no idea what that is. <laughs> it is a fighting game from, I believe it's Soft Circle no, French Bread. No, what it is, it was in... Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle had Undernight. Oh, so it was all those characters I didn't play as. Yeah, remember that guy Carmine <laughs> that I kicked your ass with? No. It's Carmine a good fighting game. A... They're good things. I'm They're sure good it is. Yeah. Carmine is the guy who you sacrifices his own health to use blood attacks, but then he grabs you and sucks the life out of you, and, and then he insults you while he beats you up. It's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but yeah. But no, just, uh, just do a do a YouTube search of TGS 2023, okay. and you get all kinds of awesome. You're, you're gonna see some awesome. real strange shit. Yeah. <laughs> something. Uh, Fireman says something. I probably only I care about the new Inazuma 11. Got a trailer recently. Yeah, I was about to bring that one up. I care about it. looks great. But for some reason, Level Five decided to go with the good old narrative of kids who love soccer transfers to a school without a soccer club. I mean, uh, yeah, that. That feels particularly unrealistic in, like, Japan and most anywhere that's not America. <laughs> so, I mean, if that's, like, a tried-and-true storyline, it seems like a good thing to use for bringing the series back. It's been gone for a while. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, there's, there's like, two ways that you frame, like, sports anime, and one of them is, uh, like, the one kid who's obsessed with a sport uh, goes to a place where no one else likes the sport and convinces them to love the sport as he does, which I feel like is more common with team sports. And then the other one is a child who has no interest in sport is brought into the fold by someone uh, by someone who ends up with a rival, which is most common with individual sports like boxing. <laughs> or, or, or number three is the kid has no interest in the sport, gets roped into a like some weird pickup game, and is found to be extremely like good at it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's quite similar to the other one, but yeah, uh, yeah, it fits more with the team. Uh, no. Uh, Wait, concept. did they? 
did they ever try to get Joker to play volleyball in Persona 5? I don't think they did. No. I don't know. No. Okay. But uh, in four, or yeah, in in uh, in four, you have to, you can join the. Uh, you can join one of the sports clubs. Yeah. Yeah. One of two okay. sports clubs. Yeah. Uh, okay. I was going to say something about it. Uh, but yeah, I want to. I don't know if you guys want to know what I've been playing. Oh god. Sure. Well, I, well, I would. We're also getting kind of far into this, and I want to. I'm gonna have to go of... to bed very yeah. soon. Yeah, know? I want to hit some of yeah, fire. I, fi I figured as much. Also, I'm not I playing apologize. anything exciting because my internet okay. has been crap. Oh yeah, ribs. Right. You haven't been streaming anything. Okay. Uh, so yeah, because quickly... I have I have ten or less down, and, and you had point nine up. up. Yeah. yeah. No, I have one up. Oh, that's bad. Oh, jeez. Player 1-up. Uh, but yeah, let's let's quickly hit some of these ones that Fireminer left in the Discord a couple weeks ago. Um, since we neglected them last week because we were very tired. Um, you know what, recent... I'm just going to sign off now, actually. Yeah, okay. that's fine. So, see right, you, Joe. On, Joe. Hi, Joe. Yeah, see you guys. I'm, I just yeah. I got to get up early tomorrow. Hey, yeah, my no new way. iPhone is supposed to get delivered tomorrow morning. So. Oh, yeah, tell us how good it is. I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay. Mm. If I can just okay. So some, some I see quick a, ones. a severe lack of mountains being blown up. Listen, so. you know, there's only so much they can do in one game. <laughs> okay, so some, some quick ones that Fireminer had left in the Discord that we don't want to lose track of. Recently, you talked about Grand Regional Movie framing a fatal car crash as a self empowering event to the protagonist. Is there any game or mo other gamer movie guilty of that? You know, the meme, I shot a homeless man and I was so sad that I became motivated to turn into a better cop. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, so one of the one of the things that, like, you, you find this in uh, stories a lot uh, just because stories have protagonists. And it becomes, like, of course, more distasteful if you're turning like turning real life into a story because inevitably you end up saying that like bad things that the protagonist that the protagonist aka a real person who lived did were fine because of x y and z thing they did to inspire them in the future that sort of thing uh but like this this kind of myopia is just all over stories and it really depends upon how bad the framing is uh but you know i I had like an idea, of, like when I first read this question, I had like an idea of something to pull out as like a really common one. Uh, but it's it's like completely left me. But this this happens all over, and it's just like it's about degrees, really. Because like when you decide that you have your story has a protagonist, and ninety nine percent of stories are going to have to have some kind of protagonist, uh, you inevitably frame. Like the, the the lens of examining them is inherently sympathetic because we we're just always going to know more about what they're thinking just by virtue of how everything is framed around how they think uh, whether it tries to be or not like just by making them the focal point uh, and so you inevitably uh, end up with. With some problems around that. 
Uh, I, they can't uh, immediately pull out something uh, super egregious that's uh, coming to mind, just like the, the usual thing that... Uh, they're the usual suspects of just sort of... Uh, like, I, I've been ranting about FF16, and one of my big problems with that game is that uh, despite many characters having similarly tragic backstories to Clive, the game doesn't really care about them, because it only really cares about Clive, and that's less egregious on the part of the character and more about the narrative framing with their related issues. But even just, like, looking at Dragon Ball... Uh, Vegeta just sort of gets to get away with killing, like, a bazillion people. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, and it's just, like, this is just how... This is a problem with stories, and it's a problem with uh, just the notion of, like, the difficulty of the concept of redemption, especially in the heightened uh, world that Dragon Ball exists in. I mean, it's okay, though, because he killed Yamcha, right? Didn't he? No, that was a Cyberman. Damn it. All right. He did summon the Cybermen, but yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wait, hold on, uh, hold on. Yamcha gets killed by the them and not even by a Saiyan? Yeah. Yeah, okay, he got blown up. That's, Suicide bomb. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Yeah. That's why <laughs> that's he gets spawned on forever more. <laughs> uh, that's why he's turned into, like, the, uh, the joke is... The, a running gag joke character is because of how he died. I love it. Yeah. To hit, to hit one that Firemaner brings up, uh, every 90s RPG with the protagonist unknowingly releasing a world-ending threat. I don't think that one really counts because it doesn't... Because most of the time the game is about them trying to fix it. <laughs> uh, but what I would... What I, oh, hey. Uh, what, I, I, what, I would, what I would say about that one is... Uh, terms of uh nope it's gone i've got i've forgotten what i was going to say i was going to pull up like a example but it's completely escaped my mind hey gaijin uh, what, what's the question in the, game oh we were just uh fireman was asking about how bad essentially about moral myopia in store in plot construction like this, uh, the the concept of the protagonist doing something horrible, and uh, it essentially being used as a pivot point for the game to, for a game or a movie or a show to show that oh they're going to improve from that. They're not actually going to do anything to make up for it, but they're going to be better now. And how that's like kind of morally reprehensible, or at least lazy. Mm -hmm. but, okay. Yeah. I'm assuming uh, Final Fantasy IV got mentioned already. Oh yeah, Golbez. Yeah. Well, I well, was thinking, Cecil. Uh, I mean, Cecil I mean, went to Mysidia, killed people, stole their crystal. He's at least miserable about, about that for the rest of the time, yeah, and as well, and a lot he, of people never forget him to make for up it. for it. So, I mean, that that's yeah. that was one of the points I was going to make was that at least in that case, he did attempt some to make some amends, and he did feel bad about it. And also, I think that I think there's something to be said for the fact that the game makes it clear that some people never forgive him for it. Yeah. Like yeah. some people do, but some some of the NPCs make it clear that they do not think they don't think that you've made up for it, or even that you can. 
Yeah, at least within the very limited scope of the game. Mm -hmm. But uh, still, that was at least one attempt to try something. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I, I would say uh, a, a more prime example would be Golbez, Stark of the After Years, who mm -hmm. doesn't really do anything to make up for all that uh, havoc he caused, and so sort of forgiven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he was he was under mind control, sort of maybe. Yeah, maybe hard to hard to say. Many things yeah. may have happened. Um, but one thing I wanted to say is that we didn't get to talk. Uh, we we can we take a few minutes to talk about Stray Children and Saga Emerald Beyond. Yes. Yay! Can we answer another this fire miner question real quick before we move sure, on? Sure. So okay. Okay. He just says Dragon Ball morality is just weird. Just not. Just not get into whether Goku Just is don't a even get into whether yes. Goku is a Recent Dragon Ball movies have been trying to rehabilitate the Saiyans and make them less like bloodthirsty psychopaths. Yeah, I mean that's not even really a question; it's more a comment. But, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those things. Like, mm -hmm. if you try to examine anything about Saiyan society, it's basically impossible mm -hmm. to have a sympathetic yeah. Saiyan. So, uh, you don't. Yeah, like, the ones from I mean, number six, it... maybe. <laughs> <laughs> from another universe, I mean, yes. Just from just from what I know from the original series, I have never even seen GT and some of the um, random other stuff like uh, the the space policeman um, Jacko the Jacko the like patrolman. Yeah, yeah. The uh, there's a bit in there involving science too. A lot of it seems mm -hmm. more uh, like. Um, I think we can chalk up at least part of it to unreliable narrator because the first things we hear about most of the Saiyans come from Raditz, Vegeta, and um, Frieza, all of whom have uh, a vested interest in making it seem as nasty as possible. Hmm. For so, different reasons, but for the yeah. same, but coming to the same end. <laughs> yeah, I mean Raditz in his case because he really doesn't remember anything else. Um, Vegeta because he's a prince and the royalty was raised to be ruthless and bloodthirsty and. Frieza just because he liked him that way and he liked having that excuse to get rid of them that way. Yep. So, so um, I don't know what they've done with the presentation beyond um, that one bit at the end of Jacko showing um, Goku's mom and dad. But all I can say is that anything they can add on to it probably wouldn't be so much a retcon as it would be simply allowing for the fact that the first three people we hear about Saiyans from are all bastards. Unreliable so. <laughs> narrators, to say the least. Mm. Yes. Uh. And who may be projecting quite a bit of their own issues onto the situation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I am Earl Briand and Stray Children. Yes. Well, I... Um, well, which would you like to discuss first? Uh, let's, let's pop out Saga a bit first, because that looks... Okay. That's, well, I mean, that's, that's yeah. I mean, that's that's one most. I mean, all I have to go on that one is the video, or the yeah, that's cool video. <laughs> it's got an interesting array of principal characters. Yeah, it looks like they're sort of taking the sort of gameplay style of Scarlet Grace, but bringing in like the world construction style of something more like Frontier. Yeah, I mean, the the main cast list just screams Saga Frontier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. in many different ways you got the robot and idol and you got the cowgirl the, the robot <laughs> idol with the holographic projection that everyone thinks is actually her yeah which is Beautiful. a nice interesting touch mm -hmm. um and the 
the uh, super cop duo. Yeah. It's like one of them, the first one looks like she came straight out of One Chambara. Yeah. And the other one is very obviously styled after a, um, I mean, reasonably dressed Muslim woman. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, this is an interesting combination. Yeah, like, uh, like, uh, with, it's like, it's with like a hand cannon. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, they're they're a cop duo, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's like, it's like someone uh, someone told uh, Kawazu to give the game uh, game's characters more international appeal, and he immediately started scribbling the most deranged things that came into his head. <laughs> Honestly, that. That sounds quite likely, and I can't yeah. complain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I, yes, please keep scribbling your deranged, your deranged ideas, yeah. Kawazu. I mean, let's think. I mean, how how much uh, like middle uh, Middle Eastern or Muslim imagery can you think of in character designs? It's it's of quite any sort limited. That is even halfway positive. Yeah, so. it's like a reasonable like. A, a reasonable, normal-looking and acting human being wearing a headscarf is, like, revolutionary in video games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, most of the time, if you see anything positive in the light, it's more historical. Yeah. Um, stuff like, based off the Mogul Empire or one of the old caliphates. Mm -hmm. uh, but she's definitely got a more modern-style headscarf. Yeah, she, she is a modern-ass human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see some of the comments sections yeah. after it comes out. Um, I'm just excited to play it, but yeah, we can get yes. that one out of the way since we don't well, know too much also, about it. Well, I mean, from from what we've seen in the video, we do see that it has some sort of dungeon design. Yeah, which is different. Which is more well. than Scarlet Grace had. Yeah, I get the sense they had a little more money this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will say I did not like sort of the limited zone aspect of Scarlet Graces. I could accept it for what it was. It wasn't my favorite way of doing things, but I respect the the use of a limited budget to and making it work for them. Yeah. I mean that's historically that is saga. Yeah. I mean yeah. Kawazu is used to is used to being told this is how much money you have and being like, well, I'll get something out of it. <laughs> and then You'll get a game, a I won't decades, guarantee it'll be good. And then coming back a decade and a half later with a much, much improved version. Mm -hmm. um, in at least one case. Um, yeah, it's... Um, I'm looking. Uh, when is it supposed to come out? Uh, it's just 2024 right now. I think that's all we know. Okay. Well, it will be for a stay purchase. Yeah. Yeah. If same. all possible. And uh, okay. Moving on. Yeah, and then Stray Children. We want to talk a little bit about that. That one's going to be interesting in all the weirdest ways. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, um. I mean. I... Yeah. I mean. It's probably the most moon-looking thing that uh, Onion has made. Um, I mean, in recently, recent years, yeah. I mean, they had... I mean, depending on how you count it as the continuity of the company itself. Um, yeah, that's why I said uh, Onion, specifically. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would just count everything from Love Delic on as being Onion Papa's stuff, just because it's mm -hmm. him. Regardless mm -hmm. of whatever com the name of the company he's currently heading is. 
Um, yeah, but there's some diasperation there. A bunch of them that also worked yeah. on it move on to some other stuff as well. Yeah. So, um, it is... I mean, it's definitely more of an RPG than Moon was. Mm -hmm. Since Moon was a deconstruction of RPG. Um, yeah. Also kind of find it... I'm, I'm going to be interested in seeing what some of the American fandom thinks of it, because... Um, as, as I recall, Moon was one of the principal um, inspirations for Undertale. Yeah, there's yeah. some interesting... Uh... And, and I can I can see, um, not necessarily like Undertale influence back onto this game, but rather things that Onion Papa really likes to do with games that could be mm -hmm. compared to Undertale. To be fair, and he is also a big fan of Undertale. <laughs> Fair enough. Or at the very yes. least, he's a big fan of Toby Fox, the human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, this is going to be interesting. I was just just wanted to, to note the uh, the one battle shown in mm -hmm. the, the uh, trailer. Mm -hmm. I, I told you about this, right? Yeah, yeah, you mentioned this, but I want you to bring well, it up um, for the class. There, there's like <laughs> six or eight different options to choose from when fighting the big pig face guy. Mm -hmm. And they're not actually attack names. <laughs> They are dialogue options. Mm -hmm. Among other things, wow, your head is big. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I did, I, um, hello, sir. And I'm so very, very sorry. <laughs> Does lead one to wonder if the framing of the battles will be more like you're having a weird conversation. <laughs> I mean... It, it, no, it reminds me of um, actually a description I heard of Alice's Adventures Through the Looking Glass. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, um, it, it was actually this was a comment made on a comic that was obviously derivative of Alice in Wonderland. Where it was mm -hmm. like, um, children being absolutely confused by stuff that random adults say is pretty mm. much the entire thesis behind this book. Um, <laughs> and it seems very much like. Stray Children has that sort of Wonderland aspect mm -hmm. to it as well. Which would Where also the fit with the adults are doing name. things, and those things do not make sense except to themselves, and they're not meant to make sense. Mm -hmm. which, is, uh, which would also fit with the name Stray Children. Yeah. And and very much in with An Onion Papa's just basic philosophy of design. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. He's always he's always an interesting one to see what comes out of. So. Yeah, he's been posting teaser pictures through the um, secret onion cellar for months, yeah. a year and a half now. And he has in fact, he has stated directly that they do have a tr localization in progress. Yeah, my my assumption would be that there there simply isn't any English footage of the game yet, and that's why it didn't show up yeah. at the English direct. Yeah, but. I'm going to assume that the same guy who did Moon and um, um, Yamada Kun. Yeah. Uh, God, what was that called? Fuck. <laughs> it's not Million Onion Hotel. What's the other one? <sighs> Shit. Let me just look. Brave it up. Yamada. Legend of Brave yeah. Yamada. Yeah. Let me... yeah. But yeah, I'm going to assume that's the same guy doing this translation, just because they get along really well and. Yeah, and you know. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm glad that we no longer have to like wonder if 
we'll ever see English versions of games from Onion at this stage, so that's nice. As he's just really, really enthusiastic about this. Yes. Yeah, he seems he seems very happy to have. Uh, you Dandy know, Dungeon. Both. How did I forget? That Dandy Dungeon. That's what it was. How, how did I remember the secondary title before the first one? <laughs> yeah, uh. the one that stands out less. Uh, oh well. But yeah, Dandy Dungeon. That's still a that's a great little uh, puzzle game for anyone who hasn't taken the bite on it. Yeah, it's like the only DMM games that I will touch. I usually don't go with anything from that publisher. Just on, mm. like, it's generally not having having once been bitten and twice been shy. <laughs> and Bandy Dungeon is just silly, fun, weird. Don't take certain aspects too seriously. And uh, mm. I think, like I said in the review, it, it takes pretty much every possible cultural touchstone they can manage from Japan and do mm. something with it. Isn't that the one where the dude's like unemployed and he like makes games? Kind of. In the first five in the first five minutes, um, he's um, well, he he comes home every day from his job at the game development studio to sit in his underwear and just make his dream game, work on his dream game, mm -hmm. just because it's the only thing that's keeping him from having his soul crushed by the corporation. And then the corporation spies come in on him and. Um, basically beat him up and fire him for um, enjoying himself off of company time. <laughs> so he vows to, uh, his actual words, channel this suck into a video game. Yep. And so um. when you're playing the game, you're basically attempting to debug this thing. Um, or you're debugging and beta testing every level as he makes it. And occasionally, a spy from the big company will sneak in at night and add stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and, it's a great little game. Very cheap. Please play it. And, <laughs> and then we get into the expansion, the post-game expansion, yeah. which is basically a second game. And then we get some really fun stuff, because all, this time all of the levels are based off of specific train stations along the main Japanese Yamanote line. Mm -hmm. And playing on whatever the stereotype of that that particular station area is. So for Ueno, you get to you get to uh, charge into the zoo and beat up a panda. <laughs> Panda's the boss. That seems illegal. Yeah. <laughs> and then there, I can't remember which area it is, but apparently one of the areas on this train line is notable for the number of love hotels. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're, you're, the entire level is a large love hotel, and all of the customers are pigs. <laughs> Literally, pig, um, anthropomorphic pigs. Of course. Yes. Also, um, you bring. Yeah. It okay. just it's it just it's a very strange game. Hmm. Adorable, strange. I've put way too many hours on this thing. <laughs> wow. I have. It's I have because a it's also, I mean, it was originally designed to be for a smartphone, so it's really good for just mm -hmm. pick up and play. Yeah, yeah. I have a fully and completely diseased brain, and so when you started talking about when, when you brought up pandas, I was forcibly reminded of the uh, guy who went out and found one of the last uh, unsurrendered Imperial Japanese soldiers post World War II, and his stated goal of finding that guy, a panda, and the abominable snowman in that order. 
Okay. Is that the guy they found on some cave in an island? They had to actually get the emperor to record a thing. It wasn't the emperor. That... It was his commanding officer from back in World War Two. Okay, I <laughs> yeah, heard it was the some, emperor somewhere in the Philippines. Yeah, but specifically the guy who found him found him uh, having gone specifically looking for him because it was known that there was at least one holdout in that cell that was still floating around in 1974. Found him, fairly quickly found a wild panda, and then thought he saw a yeti on a mountain. And then somehow his life ended even stranger because he died in an avalanche trying to corroborate that he had found a yeti. Wow. So that's weird. <laughs> there, there's a man who lived his life. He, uh, he, he made sure that it was an exciting life. You know what? I'm going. I'm just gonna assume he actually did find the Yeti. I feel like in in death he deserves that. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. Or the Yeti found him. Yeah. Either way, a Yeti was a Yeti was found in his proximity. Supposedly. But I I am choosing to believe this to honor the the to honor the dead. Um. To honor the spirit of his memory. Yeah. That was uh, Norio Suzuki, if anyone feels like looking that man up. Strange life, strange life. Um, let's see. I want to hit a couple more of these questions in the Discord before we zonk out. Uh, I'm not going to do these in order. We'll come back to the ones I skip. Uh, is there any game with split narratives that change into completely different genres depending upon your choice? Imagine playing DQ1 and choosing to agree with Dragonlord only to unlock a DQ builder-like mode, or is that too much work? You're just making two games at that point, and it's very hard to justify yeah. that. I mean, there are some games that have effectively done it. Live Alive yeah. does that. Yeah, um, yeah. Does that to an amazingly extreme level, actually. Um, yeah. The closest but, thing I can yeah. think of for this would actually be Dark Savior for the Saturn, which has at least one... If, if you fuck up in the right way at the beginning of the game, you get sent into, like, an under... You get sent to hell and put in sort of a fighting game-style tournament. So... That, that, but that's a weird game that determines the entirety of what's going to happen uh, going forward by how well you do in the first ten minutes. Let's see, Revelations Persona allowed you to, or I mean, if you had the correct version, allows you to enter a completely different style of dungeon crawling RPG. I feel we answered this question, a uh, similar question, several weeks ago. Yeah, um, we do that every so often. Yeah. Because I remember bringing up specifically Front Mission 3. Yeah, that splits, that bifurcates, depending upon uh, which side you end up fighting for. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. actually, it splits off based on one question very near Did the you... beginning of the game. It's like, will you go look at the experiment, or will you not go look at the experiment? That is the yeah, question. Yeah, it just determines what you end up fighting for. But yeah, it's not even mm -hmm. telling you, making it clear what choice you're making. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like something where the game is just going to force you to either look at it and move on or not look at it or whatever. It doesn't seem like a question with implications. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the most innocuous question, but that one single question has you diverting off into two completely different storylines. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, I've known a few other games that did stuff like that, but it didn't really change the gameplay so much as it changed who you were fighting. That was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, one yeah, of the no, language the game, games um, that. Gameplay is completely the same, but yeah, it, it changes who you're fighting, it changes what side you're fighting for. Uh, one of the characters that actually joins you on both sides, you get a different look at her character depending on the side you're on. Um, it's the policewoman. Mm-hmm. So on mm-hmm. one side, she kind of stays sort of this ditzy policewoman the entire game, whereas the other side, you actually find out that she w- she was one of the, um, like a military plant. Mm-hmm. To specifically join your forces, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, you'll see the occasional game that has like really uh, heavy choices. But when you have to make, when when you try to make it so that like the game actually shifts genres based based on a choice, you get into some like at that point you're making two games, uh, mm-hmm. which is yeah. difficult. And like I said, Dark Savior is the closest thing I can think of. It doesn't really go turn into a full fighting game, but it turns into something that more resembles a fighting game than the uh, p- platformer action RPG that you would play on the other paths. Yeah. I mean, one way or another, it still has to be able to use the same, or most of the same material. Yeah, same assets, so, same game design. I mean, so going between like a brawler and a fi- dedicated fighting game, it's not that different. So... I mean, mechanically and style quite, but. See, let's hit. A bunch of these are interrelated, and I don't. We don't have time to really uh, unpack them fully in the way that I'd like to. So we'll save those for next week. Um, uh, when it comes to Mortal Kombat, how many people just want to gawk at the fatalities once and how many relish each of them? I think for the most part, like most players, probably I would like this is just an assumption off the top of my head. I got, I would say probably 80 to 90% of players probably only see most of the fatalities once because they're hard to pull off and kind of long and mess with the pacing and so Mm -hmm. they see them once and it's like oh that was novel and then maybe they have a favorite that they'll do every so often but for the most part they don't end up seeing them that often i will admit i started watching a compilation video of them and they were so gruesome i i could not do it after four Yeah, I, for when you get to the real old games, they're abstract enough, and some of them are ridiculous enough that it doesn't really uh, matter. Once you start getting into like the 3D games, they start getting kind of gross. Uh, yeah, except this, for was, some, this was the very new one, Mortal Kombat yeah, 1. If, if, yeah, if you're looking at Mortal Kombat 1, like I mean, there's stories about people making the fatalities in Mortal Kombat 11, and presumably similar issues with Mortal Kombat 1 where they were examining footage of actually people getting, you know, Ugh. hurt. We'll just say hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, that footage was, the, like, the process of animating that kind of viscera was uh, causing uh, forms of PTSD. Um, I, I did just see a video on Facebook scrolling through where they were comparing one of the fatalities to the five finger punch of de- or five whatever punch of five death six. from mm-hmm. kill bill <laughs> and doing five a like a death punch 
Yes, and doing a side by side comparison for pretty much the entire thing. Um, yeah. So. Eventually, eventually, Mortal Kombat uh, starts starts trying to go full Rikio and further beyond. And it's uh, I, I think that you kind of see uh, as much as people talked about how horrendously violent Mortal Kombat was in the early '90s. The, and as much as it was like, oh, they're sprites, uh, the the digitized actors, they're real people, and it's like, yeah, but it, you, they're still so abstract looking. It, yeah. mm -hmm. it very much gave it that layer of like, oh, it's just fun to perform violence upon people in this abstract fashion, and then you get to the current ones, and it's like, a lot of people probably see these once, and that's probably enough for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I do like when you look at some of the ones from the aughts, where they where the fatalities are really, really stupid. Um, <laughs> there's one from Mortal Kombat 4 where they drop a Mortal Kombat 4 arcade cabinet on the opponent, and that one actually owns. <laughs> uh, cool. And then there's one from, like, I want to say Deception on PS2 that, that just sort of looks like they didn't finish it. Uh, the, the infamous neck stretch fatality. Where the dude just like jumps on your shoulders and pulls your head up, and for some reason your neck stretches along with it until it's like <laughs> the proportions of a giraffe neck, and then you just sort of fall over dead. <laughs> it's like this just feels like you didn't finish it. What happened? We get more more of that. Yeah. Bring back friendships. Actually, that's what I want. Yes, and babies. <laughs> They, they did bring back babalities for one of them, but I can't. I think that was like X. Yeah, I think I X had babalities in it. Play X. But yeah, I, I think friendships were were fun as just sort of like you're mocking your opponent, but not in a way that involves ripping them in part, ripping them apart. Uh, and some of the friendships were always really funny. It's things like here's a signed picture of Johnny Cage. Oh, and the brutalities. My my, pers my my personal favorite was. Uh... The one where they made Jax do the uh, epic sax guy. Oh god, yeah, they did do that. I was a, I was a big fan of just in general uh, that Shang Tsung is really pissed off at you for doing friendships. Like, he gets really upset. <laughs> Friendship. Friendship. Again? <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I still... Yeah, I love those ridiculous brutalities where it's like, wow, that person just exploded into a sea of rib cages. Yeah, those ones are also so over the top they kind of own because they're just really, really fucking stupid. <laughs> like you did, so and uh, you did a like nine hundred hit combo, and then your opponent turned into like a million femurs in rib cages. Yeah. But yeah, that that critical layer of abstraction is kind of missing from something like MK1. Yeah. People have been, people. I, I keep joking about this with friends, but I want to record it for posterity. People have been talking about how bad the Switch version looks, and it does look bad. But the thing I will say is that every version of Mortal Kombat One looks bad, but only one of them looks funny. <laughs> <laughs> they all look bad, but only one is funny. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, I take it the yeah. funny looking one is the Switch one. <laughs> yeah, which looks like trash in really strange ways, whereas the others are just like, this is trying to be realistic, but the animation's really, really bad, and I just don't yeah. like how it looks. <laughs> I will admit, I have seen I have seen an image, uh, one got shared on one of my uh, 
other discords and I uh I mean, it's the same one. <laughs> uh, I'm, I have no interest in this game either way, but the mm -hmm. one example I saw of the Switch is like, no. Yeah, well, either way. It's a, it's a very ridiculous looking game on the Switch. Um, yeah, I, I had fun with Mortal Kombat 9, and that was kind of my peace out from that series. Yeah, that, after that, 9, they really charge forward with yeah. the brutality. Like the X-ray stuff they put in there is just like this. Is super gross. don't like X-rays. No. Super super don't like X-rays, and they're like a tradition of the series now. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, let's see. You know, you know what's funny is the first game I know of that had X-rays in a fighting game is an old Flash-based fighter from Japan. Really? Oh, yeah. Love on fight. Oh, Glove on Fight. That was weird. Remember Glove on Fight 2, Gleam of Force? Oh, I didn't know there was a second one. Yeah. <laughs> I only knew about the first one because uh, a couple of Flash videos came out of of uh, it being done to uh, to Eurobeat songs from Initial D. Yeah. <laughs> Glove on Fight's developer, I think, ended up becoming Soft Circle French Bread, who does uh, things like Undernight now. Let's see. One more from the list that's relatively related to the Mortal Kombat one. All these games about abstracting violence make me want to ask this. Would anyone play a dogfighting or cockfighting game with the mechanics of Pokemon, disregarding the legal questions? I don't think there's any legal questions about it. The idea is tasteless, but there's nothing illegal about depicting things that you can't actually do in real life without getting arrested. At the same time, I think that that, had, that is an idea with essentially zero non- uh, like like zero audience outside of people on some sort of watch list uh yeah <laughs> I, I i don't I think mean, I, that... I wouldn't put it past like the japanese in the pc market to come up with something like that just for the hell of it especially yeah. since there is a there is a manga right now out about a fighting rooster dark <laughs> yeah so uh i mean yeah, you you kind of need the popular. It probably wouldn't even be. It would definitely not be considered in good taste. But yeah, I, that, that doesn't always stop uh, certain kinds of underground creators. Uh, certainly not. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think the the actual addressable market, if we want to get into like business terms, is basically like seven people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't really want to know any of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that you, you would you would have trouble to, uh, like it would have to be indie, you would have trouble uh, getting any publisher on board with that. You'd probably have difficulty getting a realistic one onto any of the major consoles. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, uh, th this would be like a doujin PC game. Uh, it would have to be, that's why I said, ind said independent yeah. PC market. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it would have like some degree of ironic fandom, but would have very little actual constituency that were like, yes, this is what I wanted. I wanted to play a game like this. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I think that you people people get uncomfortable with things that resemble actual violence that happens in real life to some extent. Like certainly, certainly not completely. Obviously, uh, the the endless uh, array of military first-person shooters shows that, but there's, like, degrees of abstraction that are necessary, and mm -hmm. 
the closer something hits to home, like part of the reason people can accept uh, can accept military FPSs is that they see military action as something that happens over there, uh, abstracted away mm -hmm. from their real life. I know uh, plenty of guys in the military who played them. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that has its own uh, reasoning. But for like the the average civilian, part of the reason they're able to do that is that they uh, that military action is something that happens over there. You know, that that, that actually reminds me a, a little bit of um, one of my roommates in the Navy had a uh, mm -hmm. family member who served in one of the wars and was watching him play mm -hmm. one of the battlefields in Ecom and the grandfather sitting there like, oh, you should hide in that bush. I remember that bush. I remember that bush. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that bush. That bush uh, saved my life back in WW2. Um, <laughs> I think it was Vietnam, but yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that was that was the. That's a good. <laughs> that's a good bush. But yeah, so there's there's a bunch more of these. We'll get back to them. Uh, I'll get back to them next week. We're gonna pull one from the big list to maintain our New Year's resolution. We've been doing so well this year. And then we'll uh, close this baby down. Um, uh, By the way, if there's any comments about a meowing cat in later, uh, that was me pulling out a map from my the back of my cat's foot. Oof. Oh, someone has to. Thankfully, I don't think any. I don't think it came through. At least I didn't hear it. But I hope the. I, I didn't hear any cat either. This I probably would just a kitty. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> okay. Here's a dumb fun one. A few game characters like Tails, or and I'm going to add this uh, because it's happened since this question was likely written. Uh, Bub from Bubble Bobble have been turned into VTubers. What characters would you like? to what video game characters would you like to see become a VTuber? Hmm. I mean, I would make my Final Fantasy XIV character a, a VTuber avatar for me. Yeah, I think you can actually do that, so that one might not count. <laughs> oh. People do do it, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one that uses the... Uh, it's using the Hatsune Miku engine... That has become a v uh, a virtual tuber. Yeah, VTuber. I'm, I'm pretty sure the Vocaloids were the origin of the VTuber style to begin with. Um, there's many there's of definitely them. a lot of overlap, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like I, I, <laughs> last year I was playing um, Oreshka 2, and hmm. your guide character is a little weasel girl who looks and acts much like a VTuber. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the way her character... Her, uh, yeah, uh, character model works. Yeah, the live 2D thing. Uh, yeah. Just for sheer stupidity, I want uh, Ichiban from Like a Dragon to be a VTuber for some period of time. Oh, that would be amazing. Like, just the dumbest idea. It does not fit any of the, like... Because usually it's, like, a, a cute girl or whatever. No, here is, like, a 40-something-year-old Japanese man who's really excited about Dragon Quest. <laughs> I mean, you can just imagine Sega doing that, too. I mean, they've they've done Sonic and Tails. Do it. Do Ichiban. Yeah, I mean... Better yet, have Ichiban doing it to the next Dragon Quest game that releases... Yeah, he would. He would absolutely play Dragon Quest. Like he he'll play Dragon Quest. He well. would. Oh man, he would. <laughs> hmm. 
I'm I'm actually very excited for the next one with him. I I saw the image of him on the Segway, and that is amazing. Yeah, it's year it's year of the RPG protagonist on Segways. <laughs> yes, but he looks better than Cloud on it. Yeah, but Cloud looking worse is more in fitting with the Segway aesthetic. <laughs> God. I, I'm excited for the first time. I, I still haven't seen this, but I'm excited for the first time I see one or both of them uh, photoshopped to be riding along with Job from Arrested Development. <laughs> illusions, Dad! You don't have time for my illusions! <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's my vote. I want I want Ichiban from Like a Dragon 7 and Infinite Wealth to be a VTuber. You know you know what I would think would be funny is uh, Adol. Oh, man. Oh, I'm not ready for him to talk that much, though. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. They have made games where he talks. It's it's not complete yeah. sacrilege, but uh, I'm not ready Ruby for it. Ruby Weapon's not going to be in Rebirth, Fireminer. It doesn't go that far. Unless they... They said they're shifting some things around. I could see them That's deciding true. that they wanted to have, like, a bonus fight. Um, I say Ru Ruby was in the middle of the desert, right? Near Golden Saucer? Right, yeah. but Ruby... The release of Ru Ruby Weapon from the crater did not happen until uh, yeah, way after... Yeah, I was going to say, but that didn't happen until, like, the end of the third disc in the first the original. Of course, they have and, the option... Like, the last time the bonus boss was Proud Claude, who doesn't even show up until uh, the return to Midgar in the original. They just put him in the VR uh, chamber, so they can always just do that again. True. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they decide to do something, something like that. But uh, I, I've been enjoying... I, I saw while I was... While we were recording, like, a fucking statement from Hamaguchi, who's the co-director on Rebirth saying that like someone was uh, asking about uh, whether this game was like an open world or if they'd done the world map or what, what they were doing and he was like oh I was hoping someone would ask this question we have uh, attempted to make a, a scale one to one recreation of the world map as an explorable area <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool yeah he was, he was like champing at the bit to be able to say that they had done that. <laughs> I can't wait to get to the point where you're going into the the weird uh, side cave you can find where there's just a sleeping old man who will give you things if you fought the right number of battles when you talk to him. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, as, for, as for other characters, I would want to see... Uh, forced into the VTuber life for at least a few uh, streams. I think my favorite of the stupid licensed VTubers is Mr. Hart from Fist of the North Star. I don't know why that happened. Uh, for those who have not watched Fist of the North Star, Mr. Hart is a villain from the first arc. He's not even a particularly... Uh, he, he's there for like less than an episode. Uh, Kenshiro explodes him very quickly uh, but for some reason there was an official licensed Mr. Heart VTuber who I, I don't know why he, why he existed but I respected the gumption I respected the hustle um, so I want things that are of similar stupidity and that's why I am saying that uh, uh, Tian and Chaozu from 
uh, Dragon Ball should be a VTuber duo. Yes. <laughs> sure. What about uh, Trunks and Goten? <laughs> oh god, oh no, they're just like horrible little Zoomer goblins playing Fortnite and screaming at each other. <laughs> Oh, Lord. An infinite well of potential terrible yes. ideas. <laughs> but that uh, wouldn't be especially funny, because you can have them randomly fused together at some point. That's when they're getting serious Ooh. about trying to uh, about trying to win. Yeah. <laughs> then they both lose at once and are even more pissed. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> They both lose because they're technically both playing separate characters, and then when they fuse, they're having to manage two controllers at the same time. <laughs> they're both blaming each other for how bad an idea this was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a uh, that's, that's a fun thing we can go back to every so often. Uh, I, I would be interested in coming up with more of these because they're very stupid but fun uh, concepts. Uh, I like that in addition to having official Sonic the Hedgehog and Tails VTubers, they have also partnered with an existing VTuber who get, he keeps getting DLC in new Sonic games, but only in Japan. Huh. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. That's total yeah. bullshit. That's probably licensing issues, but it's it's a shame. Let's uh, put the Karane DLC into uh, Sonic Frontiers and Sonic Superstars in the US. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, it's probably a good time for us to, uh, probably a good time for us to shut down. So let's hear about people who, who play games, who play tabletop games and don't stream them. Ah, <laughs> uh -huh. yes, you know, that that's actually the rarity these days, it appears, because you would yeah. not believe how many different, uh, I've been on Twitch, I would believe. <laughs> actually, yeah, hey, my, never my mind, you are. doesn't stream it. I was going to say, you are present on you on Twitter and Blue Sky. You are aware. Uh -huh. I'm terminally online. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, if, if you enjoy tabletop role-playing games, if you enjoy watching other people play tabletop role-playing games, because as we have just joked about, it is an ever-embiggening thing on the internet. Um, and if you think you might enjoy... It's very perfectly chromulent word, yes. If you think you might enjoy this sort of thing in narrative format, um, either ebook or dead tree, uh, we have Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, which honestly predates the actual play podcast thing by a couple of years. Hmm. Uh, looking at you. Um, <laughs> and um, which I'm still trying to get people to pay attention to because you know it's. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, self-promotion is always the worst promotion, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U, with a Z. I have some, somehow saw it with an S at some point. I'm still trying to figure out what happened there. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's with a Z. Um, we currently have 12 episodes, three side stories, and a paralogue. In, uh, available on ebook. Currently working on the fourth side story, at which point the fifth paperback will be available sometime next year. Oh, dang. Um, yeah. So, just, it's all, literally all fun and games until the 
lights start breaking out, but that only happens occasionally. Um, so yeah, and um, as just a fun side note, it, I mean, this is noted at the start of all of the paperback copies, but all any dice roll actually shown as happening in the narrative actually happens, because I got a lot of dice. <laughs> And for some reason, I thought this would be a fun thing to do. And then I gave the witch a rod of wonder. And this has turned out to be a entertaining mistake over the past twelve episodes. <laughs> I feel like that's a that's a feeling that everyone who's ever DM'd a game has also felt. Oh, it's maybe true. <laughs> what a mistake! But a very yes. funny mistake to yeah, have I, let them yes. have a rod of wonder. Yeah, my my game uh, my game we have a uh, lizard guy who has a Archery range of six hundred feet. Oh dear! Woo! God, I remember okay. there was a when I, I was in a D and D game once where like our DM, like our DM, accidentally let one of us get uh, lay hands on a weapon that was enchanted, such that uh, its owner couldn't be like surprised by an attack, basically. So like any time. Uh, the we were supposed to be ambushed. Uh, we got to roll. Uh, we our initiative rolls were way better than they were supposed to be. And he was like, "Man, I really regret letting you have that." <laughs> oh no, no, uh, just that one guy because everyone else would get surprised. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, there's nothing in there saying that he has enough time to warn everybody else. Mm -hmm. And he did eventually start doing that. It took him a while to realize that, like, uh, I can I can at least fuck with everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the chance to run a lot of games, strangely mm -hmm. enough. But just writing about them this much of and reading up on other people's horror stories to see what useful items might be in there. Um, yeah, you get a fine sense of how to finesse these rules. Mm. And then you get Tucker's Kobolds. Um... Which is referenced in Episode 7. Of course. Of course. Because you know what? Um, Pathfinder has plenty of um, kobold-specific archetypes to make fun of, or fun <laughs> with. Um, you know, I laid out a battle plan, showed it to a friend who plays Pathfinder, and his <coughs> response was, Are you sure you want these characters to survive? <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, the kobolds are aiming to capture... Which mm. they did quite effectively. Um, yeah, had some, had some fun times here with some archetypes I don't think see much use, but they can be really fun if you think things through a bit. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. um, so yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, Kindle Kindle Unlimited, Michael Yadi Mizu. Yeah. Support your local author. Yep. But I gonna say something about it. Uh, Tam, tell us about the stream schedule. Uh, the stream schedule has been all over the place this week. Mm -hmm. Between Paul, you've been suffering. Uh, Paul, <laughs> well, I, I've been suffering with bad internet. Paul's hurt her wrist at PAX West, trying to save Nubo from mm. falling. Uh, uh, Hair Frog's been having rough Thursdays, so he's moved to stream to uh, Fridays, from thir from Thursday to Friday, and then uh, 
Gar was out Tuesday as well, so it, it's been a rough week, but you can always check us out at twitch.tv slash rpgamer, where we do have multiple different streamers, and when we are able to stream, we are streaming all sorts of games. Um, and there's always the archive. And yeah, and uh, not everything is archived, but we have a lot of playthroughs archived um, of d different games. Uh, I've, I've, oh, that reminds me, I need to go in and do my last two Atalia Iris two ones. Not tonight. I am tired as heck because I've been up since like, sense. yeah, I've been not sleeping well this week. But luckily, I've had bad internet, so <laughs> I can't do luckily. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, check, check us out there and. Of and uh, always, you know, check out uh, if you want to know when we go live. Give us a follow or uh, check out check out the uh, Discord because we have a whole channel devoted for our notifications and clips of our clips of our s random silliness, which is mostly Hairfrog mm -hmm. and Scar. <laughs> and hey, if you want to ask us questions, you can also join that Discord by going to rpgamer.com and checking the community tab. Uh, if you ask us questions in the podcast sections, we will try to keep up with them. Uh, if you don't want to catch us via that, you can also catch us when we will stream Thursday nights at uh, midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific U.S. time. Uh, if uh, we, we also do another show on Sundays called Shenanigans, also at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. Uh, that that one's a more whatever we feel like playing that week. Last week it was Pokemon. This week it will probably also be Pokemon. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, specifically the DLC for the record. Um, but yeah, for for now, that's sort of. Uh, uh, but yeah, you can ask us questions in the comments section of the underneath this very episode. If you would also like to do that, I checked the last few episodes this week. Didn't find anything, but. We always keep an eye out, and yeah, if you ask questions like Dear Friend Fireminer, either in the podcast section or in the comments section of Twitch while we're streaming, we like to hit those as soon as we can as well. So there's always ways to get at us. Uh, you can also contact uh, us through... Uh, I, I, I have a, a co-host and a blue sky. I know that Wheels has a blue sky and a mastodon and i believe he also has a co-host but i don't think he uses it um yeah, but, I haven't used co yeah. in a bit yeah but it also has a but yeah uh generally threads is mostly just for go live notifications but if you ask me a mastodon you might get a special shout out and get bumped up the, <laughs> the question no one queue. has taken advantage of this yet you could be the first one it could be you uh, but yeah, uh, you can get at us. Uh, wheels is at askwheels on uh, mastodon.social, I think. Uh, and also yes. at askwheels uh, on Blue Sky. I'm uh, at Master on Mastodon Blue Sky uh, co host. Uh, you know, give us a shout out there if you want to ask questions that way. Whatever makes you happy. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I think that wraps it up for us. So see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. Hi, everybody. <laughs>